0: Wrestling keeps the <laughs>
1: First things first, man. You're fucking with the worst. I'll be sticking pins in your head like a fucking nurse. That was, oh, dirty bastard. I am Patrick Stewart, and this is Wrestling Geeks Alliance. <laughs> I need to get that guy the fuck out of here. Patrick, you can go home. Wheelchair, <laughs> get the fuck out. Hey, how are you guys doing? This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news, and provide you with reviews for said shows of wrestling. Uh, We have a pretty small show for you guys tonight. We're doing this on a Friday. We normally do it on a Saturday, but uh, we had to get that, you know, situated. Um, And uh, we're not going to be going over, obviously, SmackDown and Rampage because we haven't been able to watch them. But there's a draft, apparently, and I'm sure the other one's going to be some awesome matches and uh, whatnot but i can't do this by myself i'm here with christopher patton chris
0: how are you doing shimmy shimmy y'all shimmy 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 y'all uh i'm doing great (laughs) it's been a good week man uh i'm doing a wedding so this is this is my fault that you're getting an early episode but uh yeah outside of that just a little stressed about you know officiating and stuff uh nerves setting in but outside of that man everything's been good how about you buddy how's your week been
1: my week has been excellent, uh, working way too much, uh, about six hours overtime, trying to get it to 12 for next week's paycheck so I can go and Well, I'd act like I was going to go buy a jet ski, but I'll just probably put it in my bank account and uh, keep it there.
0: But, uh, you know, uh, the usual. Is it bad that I just imagined you as Kenny Powers on a jet ski as soon as you said that?
1: No, I've actually done that pose naked before on a uh, magazine cover. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It does so speaking about you know uh someone who likes it raw since we don't have a lot to talk about this week and there was not a heels episode why don't we talk about some wu-tang motherfucker protect your neck
0: i have heard they're something to not fuck with but you know the internet
1: yeah i'm talking about we, we, i think we've mentioned it on the show a couple times now if you guys can't tell that we're music fans and hip-hop fans in general um you might be new listeners so i'm not going to call you idiots so uh like i was going to do i'll refrain from that but uh yeah we're watching wu-tang american saga season two and they finally got in the studio and recorded protect your neck um my favorite episode of the the series i think so far Uh, definitely of the season
0: i think it was brilliant brilliantly filmed and i love like Specifically when he's mixing the track and you have like all these individual (laughs) musicians like speed it up and stop it. And they're just like, come on, man. (laughs) Like, I can't play to that. That's too fast. It's hilarious. I love that. Like, uh, well, I guess that gets kind of spoilery, but it's a really, really brilliant like episode. I think it's easily the best this this season.
1: I'm sure the Rizza had some uh, words in because he's like the, the main producer, him and Ghostface Killa. And I just loved, and I'm sure, you know, like I said, I'm sure there was a group of people trying to figure this out. But for someone that doesn't understand music production, because you're just not, that's not your thing. You've just never been a part of it. It really simplified music production in a way where you can get it. For people that do know music production but aren't rap fans, it actually shows you how complicated, at least back in the 90s, pre-digital, it was to, like, you know, come up with this beat and shit like that. So I thought what they did with the sessions and having the different artists there and layering it and just when he figures out the beat for Protect Your Neck and he's got the fucking, the, you know, the, the, the karate movie in the background and he's sampling that and he's getting creative with Ghostface Killer while smoking blunts. I fucking loved it, man. I just I thought it was awesome, and I can't wait to see where this goes because if you know Wu-Tang Clan, you know that they give this hit, and a lot of people are like, how the fuck are you going to say this is going to be a single when you got no chorus and all these motherfuckers on it spitting out shit and it becomes huge to the critics' dismay and then blows them out and they make 36 chambers and just put the fucking goddamn icing on the cake. You know what I'm saying, Chris?
0: Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. There's one scene and this isn't really a spoiler for the episode if for people out there that maybe haven't seen the episode is like when he's in the vinyl shop and he gets the vinyl and the guy like as soon as he purchases it, he like kind of runs and buys it and the guy's like, "What album did he cop?" Like, that says a lot about uh, how they used to use beats and stuff and how protected it was kind of. So, like, watching him dig through that stuff has been great um, as far as how, like, the Wu-Tang beats came to be a thing. And then, uh, like you said, production-wise, this motherfucker is pulling floppy disks out of a keyboard. Imagine (laughs) that. (laughs) Like, you know, like, you got, like, half a song on a floppy and you got to go to the other floppy. You know, it's great. Like, I love the the boat episode. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really awesome. But this one, like, kind of stepped it up. It, it, in kind of a similar way as like the Queen or Elton John documentaries, you know, like how they do a really good job of a like over theatrical version of what that scene and music was. This episode was kind of that to me.
1: Yeah, I love the cinematics. They don't really make it, like I would say the uh, uh, Straight out of Compton kind of came, it was still very cinematic, don't get me wrong, but they kind of made it more gritty. They were trying to make it as much as they could more realistic. And biopics in general kind of do that. With this series, you know, Riza even admits he's taken liberties with the stories, right. kind of maybe over-exaggerated some stuff or changed certain things, like the amount of siblings he actually had in real life but he's trying to make a television show. It's very cinematic in nature, almost comes off like this action movie or, or, or I don't know, just some type of big cinema vibe to it, tentpole nature to the show while telling this awesome dynamic story and showing you how the biggest but one of the greatest hip-hop groups of all time came together, Staten Island, closed off by the rest of the boroughs in New York City, and made some dope ass fucking music, and uh, apparently there—I I don't know if you saw a trailer, but there's a Run DMC one coming out, and uh, apparently they're they're looking to do a tribe called Quest one, and I am down for both of those, especially the tribe one.
0: Yeah, I just want the Outcast and Beastie Boys one personally, but <laughs> no. All joking yeah. aside, uh, I think Power kind of laid the groundwork for how this show is filmed in a lot of ways, yes. so, like. People that haven't watched Power, go check it out. It's it's not it's not really about rap music at all or anything related. But the way the show is structured is very similar to this show. And I love both of the shows. So, uh, you know, 50 Cent out here living his best life.
1: All right. Well, that was our review of the last episode of Wu-Tang, of uh, An American Saga. I guess we should get to the wrestling. Because we, eventually we're going to have to go over extreme rules, and I have some extreme opinions about it, Chris.
0: <laughs> I like that the, the first 30 minutes of the podcast is always us just bullshitting, though. Now, that's that's what this has become. It's what the people
1: want, I think. And if you don't want it, um, hit up Chris on Twitter because I'm not there anymore. So
0: Yeah, well, tell us what you want, <laughs> what you really, really want.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was always a ginger spice uh, guy myself. I love redheads.
0: Really I was a posh I was a spice posh spice kid. I used to write her like letters and crayon and shit and send it to wherever <laughs> like fan mail. Yeah, I was a nerd. Well, hey, I
1: think that Mr. Beckham is gonna be looking for you now since you admitted that finally.
0: I think I think he would accept that. He's like, I mean my wife is Victoria Beckham. It's you know, posh spice. She's adorable. She's gorgeous. <laughs> I would write her letters if I was a kid. <laughs> That was really the female
1: equivalent, even though girls listened to it obviously more than guys. Even though we knew all the songs, just the Backstreet Boys and then Sing because it was on constant. We pretended that we hated all of it. You know, screw Hanson. They're they're dumb. I, used, I I remember. I don't know if you remember if this happened to you at least, but a big insult was like, hey, give me your hand, and you would write I heart Hanson, like with a with a real heart, like <laughs> not actually writing out heart on their hand, and they'd be like, damn it. <laughs> you know, and that was like how you how you uh, cut your friends. But um, what I was trying to say is like, girls love the Backstreet Boys, um, and we loved Spice Girls because we we're all going through puberty. So <laughs> that's how it is. Also, it super- Britney's free. Good job, Britney Spears. Fuck
0: that bullshit. My my follower on Twitter, Britney Spears is free. Bless her. Love her. Love and her And so she
1: posted much. some very. Uh, be- be- beautiful pictures on her Instagram. You do whatever you want to do, Brittany. We love you.
0: And, yeah, um,
1: Brittany, you. They're very awesome. naked. Sorry, they I'll were. Throw-
0: <laughs> I will try to throw that Deftones "Toxic" remix at the end of this episode. If you guys haven't Ooh. heard that, it's pretty. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. No. Um, you remember the All Saints? That was another group yeah. I was super into, and they did a they did a version of "Under the Bridge." Yep. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck was their
1: hit? No, 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 that's not it. I can't remember.
0: I mean, they did Under the Bridge, and I i know what song you're talking about, and I can't think of it offhand, but I just remember being like, I want to marry all of these British ladies. When I yeah, they home. were all amazing. <laughs> just
1: <laughs> Yeah, uh, anyways, um, I guess we should talk about wrestling. This one's actually kind of a fun topic, so I guess we can, we can talk about this. Seth Rollins, after Extreme Rules, was on the Broken Skull sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin, Chris, and what? Uh, just what? <laughs> my my favorite part, by the way, since we're not going to get to it, the amazing impression and talking about you know when Seth's talking about how, and I've heard Jim Cornette talk about this on his end many times of how like Jim consulted him when he was thinking about leaving Ring of Honor um, and going to TNA. And they are offering him a big contract. And Jim's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, send me that damn contract. I will contact someone in WWE. What the hell? Like, you know, and just motherfucking him because he did not want Tyler Black to get wasted like he felt like people like AJ Styles and a lot of those other guys were and could probably make more money eventually with WWE if he, if he just stuck around and kind of helped that whole thing. But, like, Stone Cold's like, man, I love Jim Cornette. And then Seth's like, yeah. I still got some issues with him fucking, you know, he, he had a, some, some, some things about Becky that he said in the past, so I'm definitely not over that, but I thought that was so fucking funny how, uh, you know, Austin loves, uh, uh JC. I just love how influential that guy is for so many guys, so many people's careers.
0: I mean, he really is, is, and he was definitely, during the time that Tyler Black was in Ring of Honor, was a huge influence. There's a reason why Jim Cornette loves Tyler Black and uh, Cesaro, etc. It's a great time period of Ring of Honor. Not my favorite time period of Ring of Honor, but there was a lot of good wrestlers coming out of there. So that was a fun, like... They didn't really address the Becky situation, but it was kind of a wink and a nod if you're a Cornet fan, if you listen to his show. So that was that was pretty funny. My yeah, favorite for
1: people, just small, real quick. For people that don't know, he basically said, "What the fuck is Becky doing?" If if they planned it, which we find out in this really awkwardly that they did. And Austin's like, "Yeah, I didn't mean to throw you under the bus asking you that." But if they planned it, why the fuck would Becky? She's got plenty of time because she's in her early thirties. To have kids she's at the top of her career they should be fucking you know and obviously jim Cornette thinks about wrestling more than i don't know starting a whole family because he just never did that besides his wife so might have something to do with it but continue sorry
0: yeah, i think that's a good point also thinking about jim Cornette as a person like he is more of uh, a pet <laughs> pet like he loves his pets his animals <laughs> more so than like actual people so, his take on that—I think we even covered it on one of our older podcasts. His take on it, and it's just like it wasn't even that. I, I get what he was trying to say. It just—it blew out of proportion. But that's going to happen with Jim Cornette. Um, my favorite part of the episode was like Seth Rollins breaking down the infamous at this point in time Hell in a Cell match between Ugh. him and the Fiend which if you go back and listen to our reviews from 2019 on this match, I said, there is no way that Seth Rollins went out there like being like, I'm okay with this match being what this match is going to be, <laughs> which she goes into in the documentary. It's pretty great.
1: Now. I love that. I Did you uh, see what uh, Bray said or, or, or Wyndham, whatever I have to call him now. Uh, but uh, he says, Oh, he he highlighted, I think, the, the actual WWE thing where they're talking about that and says, oh, I have play to say of this when I can. So it sounds to me, Chris, you know, and obviously going into the whole entire confrontation happened in the back with Seth and Vince, sounds to me, you know, like we've heard that these two guys wanted to do something. Uh, they planned out a Hell in a Cell match that they thought made sense. They were told basically right beforehand. Uh, that Vince said no, and that he gave them what they were going to do, and they kind of try to debate it. Vince has the final word, what we saw with the red lights, which we'll talk about more. Fucking red lights with a uh, horror character, whatever. <clears throat> that was Vince's fucking fuck-up, basically. Creatively, I I don't even, now that they said this, and we'll hear more, obviously, from Bray, uh, once he's not with his 90-day non-compete. Um, I'm sure he'll go more into detail about that whole entire era of them taking something that was a really cool, creative concept and flushing it down the toilet as soon as he won the title, basically, which he didn't need to win in the first place. Um, But, yeah, I just I found that funny that Seth went in the back, locked eyes with Vince, said a couple words. They kind of, you know, were both yelling at each other. Uh, Tyson Kidd had a fucking pull Seth back, and then Vince, like, left the place while people were trying to calm him down. Uh, just uh, not a good uh, situation for uh, experience with your, your boss, creatively or just in general.
0: <laughs> so early in the interview with Seth, because I'm just going to move past this whole NSL stuff, I've bitched about this enough at this point. Um,
1: well, just address, in- just address, though, the fact that he kind of confirms that what well, we all were told, basically, this was Vince's call and that Seth and Bray had an idea for something and it kind of just, nope, Vince is going to make him do this.
0: Like, like, also that's like, ridiculous. Vince knew the match was bad, so he dipped from gorilla position and Seth was like looking for him like he was going to fight him. <laughs> yeah, man. He was pissed. Uh, it, it's great. And I can't retell it the way Seth told it i think it was spot on and uh probably good for him for being cool calm and collective and then talking to vince about it the next day and being like i never want that to happen ever ever again and the entire wrestle wrestling world agrees but then we get to extreme rules a little later and there's some um (laughs) some shades of of what happened uh but yeah no one of my favorite parts of the, the documentary is when They're showing like Seth Rollins as a teenager, basically wrestling on a trampoline or whatever, being a backyard wrestler uh, and talking about his athleticism and not realizing that, you know, I always wanted to go 110 miles an hour and be the over exuberant kind of athletic wrestler like the the workhorse like the sean michaels hbk he's like i didn't realize that you could just like hit a stunner and throw a bird and he actually does like the motions for both <laughs> and call it a day yeah and austin just cracks up
1: <laughs> I, I love that man because it's true though i mean a lot of time wrestlers think about work right even someone like sean sean finally was realizing like oh shit, if I like sell and, and, and don't do anything for periods of time and have like the crowd going crazy in the palm of my hands, that's almost as impressive of me doing a fucking jump to the outside or a Frankensteiner off the top ropes or whatever. Like it, it's very true of the business that, you know, if you can get people into it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like this technical sequence or anything like that. And I appreciate that. I have a question for you though. Why aren't we getting this version of Seth Rollins on television? Because he's so good at talking and he's, he was great. And I like the newest rendition, the, the King of drip that he even admits he's just doing it. He's, he doesn't even like that concept. Like it's just something that he came up with and he was trying to be like the most obnoxious thing possible. It's basically like Seth's trying to do like a Miz Gimmick basically. And this is what he came up with.
0: Um, dressing like modern rappers. Uh, and <laughs> John Morrison's doing it better though shout out to Jomo
1: well I, I think John's actually doing them um, uh, intentionally a little bit but because I've seen stuff that he wears and he's got great fashion sense but all, all I'm trying to say is like why don't we have this Seth Rollins like this Seth Rollins is a baby face I think would work this Seth Rollins is a heel kind of more towards the architect would work but he's tried too many weird goddamn things
0: well, I mean, a lot of this is on WWE because when he came back from the double knee surgery, he had both his left leg and right leg. He should have came back as a baby yep. face then. And they had but him. at the that. And he had like a heel run for a little bit and kind of got behind that. And then Becky took off and everyone knows that they were in a relationship. So they started throwing him like weird bullshit feuds. And we've talked about this in the past, like. One of the main events of a pay-per-view, and I don't know what pay-per-view it was, was Baron Corbin and, uh, God, why can't I think of her name? She has the women's right, right punch. Um, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> fuck. Lacey, Lacey Evans yes. versus <laughs> Becky and Seth. And he kind of got second builds for a little bit because of how red hot Becky was. And that's not, like, his fault. But the follow-up to that, like the thing that would like launch him into the stratosphere, would would have been a really good match with Bray and a long-term feud with the Fiend. And it obviously, based on the conversation he had with Austin in this documentary, that's not his fault. But that shit's super tanked. Like it was very bad. And it killed him. It might be one of the worst matches I've seen. Not that thing. Not, that thing killed ring. him.
1: That thing killed him faster at being a babyface than the fucking gauntlet match did to be making him the top babyface, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it does. If you really think. About it. Seth Rollins has been involved in some very shitty, shitty, poorly booked things. Um, I'm going to be but- honest
1: with you, Chris. The, the 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 best time that I liked him was when I first tuned in. That was after The Shield. I I wasn't there for that. When he was the architect as that heel, I thought he was great. And then he was kind of in limbo after he got injured. And then we've all seen the rest of it. I, lo- I liked him as a baby face too at first when he won that gauntlet. But it just – and they even talk about that. The fact that they say like – Austin's like, you think you should have been a baby. And he's like, yeah, when I first came back, I kind of do, man. And like a lot of the stuff that me and you have talked about as a reflection of not criticism per se, but like, you know – kind of questioning the booking. This is stuff that he wanted to do. It's just so weird how when it comes down to it creatively, a lot of times WWE holds back even their biggest names that they have. Think about Roman Reigns and how he's just now fucking finally getting out from doing from being more him than what they're fucking doing four years in a goddamn row. And that's their top guy.
0: Yeah. And the Seth one is always weird because you do get this really good run with him being kind of corporate. Seth Rollins. I don't know how else to put it and like him and triple H and get the, the feud before his like knee injury. Uh, but when he came back, being that he's such a big triple H fan and they've seen it work in the past. Do you remember when triple H came back as a babyface at Royal Rumble and how big that pop was? Like it's the same company. Oh, yeah. They, they, they should be able to figure <laughs> some of this shit out. So the fact that he was disappointed in that is not surprising at all. Uh, yeah, no, just great interview with Seth and Austin. I, I love this. I, I still haven't watched. They did the Cena one, right?
1: No, they haven't. They had to cancel that and they put this in its place. Well, no, they were supposed to do a Cena one right after the last pay-per-view, SummerSlam. But they positioned this now and the John Cena is going to be, I guess, recorded at a later time. Uh, the man's busy in Hollywood, but that sucks. I want I want him in, in Stone Cold one-on-one.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably my big wish for this year is we actually get that episode of Stone Cold. Stone Cold always does great interviews. I think I sent you something earlier today with him and Mark Henry. Like He's just great at interviewing people.
1: Very intelligent. One last thing I want to talk about in reference to the uh, thing itself. Is just him talking about, I mean, not really he towed the company line, but he's been such a WWE guy or kind of gone to bat for them against other people that have made comments in the past. Sometimes we've called it out called him out for it because it's been pompous, but it seems like Seth's not hundred percent sure uh, what exactly is gonna happen. Um, he's got, I think they said, what did they say? Like two, two, maybe three more years left on this deal. And he said he doesn't know. He's like, you know, my daughter at that point will be a couple years older. So, I and you know, I don't know if we're gonna have another child by then too. Um, you know, Setson is like 35, and I just don't see in two or three years once it's up him stopping. Now the question is. And he kind of kept this, he wasn't like, yeah, you know, if I do, I'm definitely, you know, gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out something with WWE if I don't decide to retire. That's not what he said. It's like, wait, I don't know yet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play my cards and, uh, you know, we'll figure it out from there, which I was like, wow. Like, is there anything in the back of Seth's mind that's like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll try AEW before I fucking stop. Could that be a possibility, Chris?
0: I think it's a very good possibility. I know he
1: Um, wants, he wants a match with Kenny Omega. He's just like Daniel Bryan, that sense, which says a lot about Kenny. Honestly,
0: I think everyone wants a match with Kenny Omega at this point. The guy, he's fucking incredible. There's definitely things I don't like about Kenny Omega, but like the way he works in the ring and shit is not one of those, (laughs) you know, like anyone can have a good match with Kenny Omega. And, uh, I mean if you're not going to go to Japan if you're not going to have like a Tanahashi or an Okada Kenny Omega's kind of or, or an Ishi or a Bushi etc like Kenny is kind of the gatekeeper of best wrestlers in the United States um yeah I don't know I he could I guess he just he seems like that he's always going to be a WWE guy and there's nothing wrong with that like that's no. You know, like if that's him, and that that's fine. I mean, you know, like John Cena will probably always be a WWE guy, and that's fine. He built his legacy there. It's with Seth Rollins, Shawn Michaels, just,
1: Undertaker, you know,
0: yeah, Triple like Triple H, and and maybe AJ Styles is in the same boat. Honestly, like
1: I was about to ask you that next, but you go, you you finish what you're saying.
0: Yeah, so like AJ Styles is another example where we were talking about his, I thought he signed a five year deal, which you told me was not true. Cause when the Good Brothers resigned, I thought he signed a five year gimmick. So Three I don't know what's years. going on. I don't I don't know what's going on with <laughs> WWE and whoever's handling their contracts. <laughs> but somewhere right now Vince is pissed. Um Yeah, I mean
1: like styles though. I'm trying to think like by the two more years He'll be 46,
0: 47-ish. Yeah, but he's from Gainesville, Georgia. He can live through anything. Well, it's just his whole entire (laughs) concept
1: of of, am I going to retire? I think I'm going to retire because I want to do like Sean did and retire when I'm good as opposed to staying until I'm not.
0: I think that's the one thing that would keep AJ Styles there is to have like the Undertaker – kind of retirement like a a big wrestlemania moment and then retire cuz if not he could go to Japan and do the same thing. Yeah, but he has talked about it in the past being specifically talked about it like he wants to retire in WWE. I mean, he would love to do that with his friends, but he's talked about that openly. Um being like after this contract's up, I'm I'm just done. Which is fair. I mean, AJ but shit, I've been watching AJ Styles since like two thousand two at this point. He's gave little, me a little lot. Baby. <laughs> yeah, he's gave me with part of like what what was that crew's name? Air flight or top flight or whatever in WCW. Oh like.
1: my god. I don't remember, but that's the first time I ever heard him. And I remember him being this cocky guy and like but he was still kind of well, he was he was not good on the mic basically back then. He had a really thick Southern accent, and it kind of reflected, like, when I was watching Still TNA when it first started, same thing. And then, while I was gone, he went from, like, wow, that guy's like Shawn Michaels meets Rey Mysterio in the ring, to, holy fuck, this guy's gone to every promotion, won the title, and now came into WWE swinging, uh, premiering at the Royal Rumble. It was pretty crazy to come back and forth, you know, leaving around 2005 from watching it and not coming back until, what, 2015? Almost 10 years, yeah. I would say
0: wow yeah and i mean the uh, the big thing for him was going to japan and working with tanahashi and Okada, and yep. nakamura i mean that mm. i would i don't want to say resurrected his career but in a lot of ways it did especially if you were a tna fan during this time period because <laughs> tna was kind of bad like bully ray was trying to marry hulk hogan's daughter <laughs> Kind of during the same time period.
1: Well, what, what, what's 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 the statement that he made when he fucks over Jeff Hardy in the cage? He's like uh, Hulk Hogan. I I played you, Brooke. I screwed you. Ugh, brilliant shit though for a
0: heel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, Bully's great. I'm not, like, I'm just saying there's a very... The Aces and Eight storyline in general, That that's a whole different discussion. It was a very bad time.
1: There, I've, I've wanted you to do a deep dive with me on explain to me the fucking million... Or not the Millionaire's Club, the same thing. Yeah, no, no, the Millionaire's Club. And then, like, there's a bunch of different fucking big factions they had in TNA that I see, like, little
0: bits and pieces. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Well, the Millionaire's Club is, is like... Basically, just all old WCW guys, and <laughs> they were milling. It's really, it's really bad. It's just a bad time in uh, TNA, I guess. But uh, with to go back to AJ Styles, where I was eventually trying to get is, I remember watching him in like 2005 and being like, "This is the greatest wrestler in the entire world." When I first saw AJ Styles, like early pay-per-views for tna like weekly pay-per-views and shit he's still that level of incredible but is able to dumb it down for the wwe style it's so i mean like he could go anywhere if they want to give that guy the the green light um which i mean the green light is he'll just finish out his contract and i'm assuming go back to new japan because there is no way that he wasn't watching the Kenny Omega Okada match with what Okada is when Kenny fought him versus like when he went against Okada. You know, he wants that. <laughs> you know, he wants to have that seven star with Okada.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, what their match, um, what was it? Wrestle Kingdom 12? Was fucking incredible. I mean, you literally have two of the best athletes in the world. Both of them are young as shit, especially Okada, because that was what, like what, 2012 ish, 2013? No, it was a little bit later than that. Either way, young AJ Styles, or I would say pre 40s AJ Styles, which is still phenomenal, um, every pun intended. And then fucking Kazuchika Okada just killing it um, right on the cusp of that match, you know, where him and Omega blew each other up uh not in a sense of tying each other out uh, and the sense of popularity for new japan definitely skyrocketed and both of those guys careers did after that match but uh aj and okada two of the best that's a great match if you guys have never seen it it's out there but what chris is saying i want more i want more of that
0: uh we need AJ's- one more match i mean i, I- I love Omega versus Okada again, but I kinda almost want AJ Styles versus Okada again. Especially, Okada has matured a lot in the way that he wrestles matches. He's kind of got his format down, and uh, like not to say it's like Ric Flair or anything, but his in-ring psychology is way better than it was the first time he wrestled, you know, AJ. So to see that again would be mind-blowing.
1: Absolutely. So, kind of, you know, pivoting off of this, let's talk a little bit about contracts with WWE. I'm going to I'm gonna clarify once again, every single person does not need to go to AEW. And there will be, I think, a couple guys eventually that might jump from AEW to WWE. We just have to wait and see on that concept. I don't know who exactly would do that, but I'm just saying that possibility still lies. Um, but we know about Obviously, Sammy and Johnny Gargano, I think Johnny's is up in November. Sammy's is up in December. And then two months later, Kevin Owens is in a February of next year. Uh, so we've talked about that. I don't. I, th- I actually see Johnny sticking around uh, and staying in NXT. Uh, I could be wrong about that. And I don't know if he would go to – maybe he would. I mean, I think uh, Johnny Gargano is a great wrestler. I think he's a way better babyface than a silly fucking heel. But that's just me. But at the same time, I kind of remember him getting kind of boring as a babyface. It's his mic skills, but his wrestling's great. So all I'm saying is I don't know if that's someone for AEW. But if we were going to play in that realm of possibilities, there's some guys' his contracts are coming up soon. And unfortunately, uh, others that are not going to be for any time soon. So uh, let's just start with who we kind of already talked about, AJ Styles, who... Him and Jeff Hardy next year, I think they they said so, December 2022, they're both going to be up. Do you see AJ continuing his career in AEW? Because I think that
0: Apologies, guys. We had some technical difficulties, but we're back here with the podcast, Dane. So basically, while I was rambling,
1: uh, AJ, we kind of talked about, but like going more into it, is AJ going to retire at the end of, of next year, so December 2022, when his contract's up? Is he going to retire? Maybe extend with WWE because he'll be, yeah, he'll be approaching his his mid 40s at that point. Or do you think there's a possibility with him going to AEW? But more importantly, Jeff Hardy has to be fucking going to AEW because he would be crazy. I see him going to fucking Impact before staying with WWE again because what are they doing with him? Maybe he'll get the U.S. champion. Woo!
0: Yeah, you know for a fact they told him they were going to give him a title run like and be part of the main event. That has to be the only reason Jeff Hardy stayed. Um, but yeah, like I could easily see him going to, I mean, AEW makes a lot of sense. Go do something with Matt and the Young Bucks again. Uh, kind of a lighter schedule, which, I mean, Jeff Hardy's work schedule right now is kind of light, anyways, just based on how WWE is booking him. But like I thought when he came back and Matt left, I was like, well, they must have a really big ass plan for Jeff Hardy. Like he must, he, he's about to go into a title run or something. Um, turns out I was wrong. That's probably what Jeff thought too. <laughs> he probably thought oh. like, Hey, <laughs> uh, cause like, think, can you think of a different reason why Jeff would have stayed there unless they had told him they were going to do something big with him? Cause I can't, um, and it sucks. I love Jeff Hardy, and he had a great match at Extreme Rules, which we'll get into a little bit later. But, uh... Damn. Kind of sucks. AJ Styles, on the other hand, like we talked about earlier, I, I see him going back to Japan. At least for one last run. And maybe he does do some a- We don't know what the world's going to look like in 2022. Maybe AEW and New Japan will be fully connected at that point. Um... But as we were talking about earlier, like Okada versus AJ Styles, I feel like he wants that match. Yeah. Um,
1: I agree with you. All right. You know, keeping that in this realm, I have a couple of people that it's more uh, depressing, Chris, how long they have on their contract. Because unless and I don't want them to, obviously, because it's fucking just not good. You know, unless they get let go from from WWE. Um, Cesaro. He is uh, likely with WWE because the contract that he signed in 2021, uh, it was a four or five year deal. So that's not exactly squared away, but that means 2025 or 2026. Uh, Was this the WrestleMania and he was like, oh, okay, well, they're going to finally start using me. So, you know, I'm about to beat Seth at WrestleMania and then he signed it. And now where the fuck has Cesaro been?
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's a good Cesaro question. Let's, let's call Claudio right now. Hold on. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, when he re-signed that contract, I think both me and you shit on that on previous episode, right? Of, like, why would you re-sign? Especially for as long as he did, because he's going to be hitting his 40s by the time that contract ends. Um, and WWE's definitely not going to do anything, and at least with him, or I don't think they will. We'll see, but... I mean that the like looking back at Claudio's stuff when he was in Ring of Honor how many people are going to remember that 5 years from now
1: I don't know John Morrison 2019 signed a multi-year deal uh for 4 to 5 years so that puts him at 2023 or 2024 and I am a huge fan of Johnny gimmick name uh that kind of blows. He's definitely someone I would love to see over at AEW. I think that he would bring a lot over there personally. And like Cesaro, uh, you know, I, and when we say like when we're talking about their age approaching 40, they, they can keep on going and cruising for a while and stuff like that. But it's just the actuality of the human body and, you know, the amount of of, of, of stuff that they put upon their body and like, you know, you also have to worry about the fans getting mad about the older ex WWE guy, even though you shouldn't give a shit about those fans, honestly. But you know, there's th- there is that. So Johnny gimmick name, Johnny G- Johnny uh, Johnny Morrison, it's there f- until 2023,
0: 2024. Uh, I mean, to me, the big difference between like Cesaro and and John Morrison is John Morrison did go kind of all around the world and prove how great he was, like whether it was AAA or Impact or. Whatever you his name was still there, whereas Cesaro has been a WWE guy for the past 10 yep. years, they've done dick all with them. So, like, five years from now, are people going to remember like Claudio Castagnoli? Like, you're asking a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know, it's just weird. I mean, it was weird when you signed the contract. I thought I, I think both you and I had him going to I want to say Impact at the time or ring of, back to Ring of Honor, um, when we talked about it. I It's just baffling that he signed a five-year deal. I mean, outside of tag teams, they, they have no idea what to do with Cesaro, which is crazy to me.
1: Well, you know who else signed a five-year deal in 2019? Ricochet. So he's going to be there until 2024. God damn it. I'm sorry, he's someone that if I think if someone actually utilized him the way he should be utilized, he would be great in an AEW situation. And not only that, he's someone, even though he's younger, that can actually probably help a lot of these guys that are up to his athletic level, but not up to his wrestling mind. Um, And now he gets to waste away his career and have more matches with
0: fucking, uh,
1: who the hell is the 24-7 champion?
0: It's our truth right now, or is it the other guy? I don't it's know. It's a, either r, r- a Truth or... guy. Okay.
1: Reggie you know what... and the Full Effect.
0: I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick, but does like does anyone actually watch this on Raw, or are they just fast forward past it unless r Truth says something funny? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but... but yeah, like the Ricochet thing is kind of even more complicated because he like defended WWE's booking decision and how he's been utilized so far online. Yeah. <laughs> So that makes it even, I mean, if he's happy with where he's at in that company, that's, I mean, that's fine, man. Like he's a great wrestler. I'm sure WWE is paying him handsomely. Um, And and, and we've talked about this in the past. It's not always, I think as wrestling fans, we always want to see the best of a person that, you know, they could be booked better or do this. But at the same time, like if you, just really likes working for WWE. Whatever, like he doesn't really care about being in the 24/7 title picture. You got, you got to think about the wrestler as a person, to some extent, and maybe that's where he's at. Like maybe he doesn't care, you know. About it. like he's like, all right, legacy match. Like watch me versus Zack Saber Jr. Watch me versus Pentagon. Watch me versus John. He's maybe hit some of the marks he already wanted to hit.
1: That could be it. No, that's that's definitely it for sure. Um, you don't expect, I mean, all right, people that we've talked about being stars on the main product, I think Montez Ford and Matt roll up there 2024 and I don't see them leaving new days, all 2024. They just re-signed contracts. Miz is up at the end of the year in 2022. He's a WWE guy for life, right?
0: Has to be. Unless he's going to go full Zack Ryder and go to GCW as a heel or something. <laughs> like he has to be. And he's, like, out right now because he's doing Dancing with the Start. Like, he's going to be, a, that's a for-life WWE guy for sure.
1: Yeah, and, and if, you know, I'm sure in the contract, he's probably going to get the title for two days next time. That was a joke.
0: <laughs> I forgot that he was a heavyweight champion recently. That's all. <laughs> well, bad it kinda, was.
1: It kind of went by very, very quickly. Uh, yeah, but that, that's about it. And also New Day. I already said that. Never mind. Um, yeah, uh, that, those are all pretty much the big superstars. Rey Mysterio Jr., 2023 SummerSlam. Uh, that depends on how good, big Dominic gets. Have you heard what the what the storyline that they were thinking about uh, pitching, but they decided not to? The rumors of Rey Mysterio's son Dominic?
0: No. What were the rumors?
1: Oh, my God. Uh, so... This will transition us out of this conversation, but um, fun food for thought. Uh, everyone talking about this guy needs to go there or stay there or whatever the fuck. But uh, Dominic, and the reason why they're apparently not going with this is because uh, both Chavo and Vicky are with a W and they don't have someone that could you know, not only approve this but kind of legitimize it. They wanted to go back into the storyline with Dominic as a child and him find out that Eddie was actually his real biological father, start using his moves, and become a heel against Rey Mysterio.
0: But, like, why? <laughs> that does sound like some WWE-ass shit, though. That's terrible. Ugh. That's I mean, that's t- does any wrestling fan want to remember Eddie in that way with a very bad WWE storyline story and Dominic that's that's what you're going to do with Eddie I mean you could you can do something similar where like you could tell the story that you know Eddie was actually more responsive to him as a kid than Ray like you can tell that story and still do the same thing but it doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be Eddie's kid Yeah you know what i mean like if eddie was like a really great uncle to him and his dad was always very distant and is trying to make it make up for it with his current run you can still tell that story but like why does it have to be like (laughs) actually dominic is eddie's kid like i fuck out of here that it's terrible
1: well remember when jason jordan was the son of kurt Angle? (laughs)
0: Also, fuck out of here with that. That was terrible. (laughs) So stupid.
1: And I'm sure I didn't watch back then, but I'm actually sure it was gripping television, more of like a soap opera aspect. When they had that whole storyline with Eddie and, and Ray and going to the, what the hell is it, the custody on a pole match? No, ladder match? God damn it. But to me, it just sounds absolutely ridiculous And revisiting this years later with people far removed from that Uh, would be just silly and stupid.
0: And I think that's the biggest thing with WWE is how many Eddie Guerrero fans are still sticking around to watch specifically Rey Mysterio and whatever this feud would be.
1: I don't know if they're worried about trying to give someone or even want cater towards an Eddie Guerrero concept. They got this guy Angel Garza there. He reminds me a lot of him and instead he's with his cousin Umberto Carrillo now forced in a fucking tag team. Got charisma for days. I should check to see when his fucking contract
0: is up, honestly. <laughs> see, that, that's basically what I was getting at Is the problem is, it's like you should be trying to make new stars and not trying to prosper off a, a, a dead man. Rest in peace, Eddie Guerrero's legacy by being like, hey, Ray, you know, your kid is actually Eddie's kid. It's just a very shitty storyline if if they went with that
1: and not only that it's like that's even more pressure on dominic he's already in his father's shadow and they're putting him together and grouping him together constantly he's had training from landstorm yes and his father yes but never went through the performance center he's been learning on the fly and getting good but at other things he's not so much obviously still green it's really not his fucking fault and now after you're out of praise shadow They want to put him under Eddie Guerrero's, and I guess Ray's going to try to get him over because he's that good of a baby face? Like, no, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. Dominic needs some work,
0: period, but it's definitely not that styled work. I mean, they're not that far off on a storyline you could tell because I I gave an example of what you could do, but can't we just be that the son is tired of being in dad's shadow and it's like a Han Solo uh, situation? What was Hansel's kid's name? I'm trying to think of it. God damn it. Those movies.
1: <laughs> I can't even remember. Kylo Ren.
0: Yeah. Kylo Ren. So, like, that's the story, right? That's the story you should be trying to tell. Whether you like, however you want to get there, you can get there regardless. But if you're going to do anything with Eddie, it, it should be more like that Eddie was almost a godparent to you know, raised kid and maybe maybe Ray was an absent dad or something. That that's kind of the story you would have to tell to get to what they're talking about. But I don't think that people care that much. Honestly. No. Not, not that people don't love Eddie Guerrero and be excited about it. It's just it's WWE. So you can't expect whatever storyline they tell to be very good 90% of the time, and I don't trust them using Eddie Guerrero's name in any kind of positive manner.
1: I completely agree with you, man agree with you. All right, let's move on. Um, There is a lot of questioning of why you know it was reported uh, that after the pay-per-view that we're going to be coming over just very soon. I can't wait till we get there. Extreme rules. Alexa Bliss would be taken off uh, probably a month, if not longer. And now we found out. It's 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 a terrible news. She's got a deviated septum and she's getting it corrected. So, they're giving her some time off to be able to get that healed up properly because she might need a second surgery. And since she's probably got more money than me, she's able to do that immediately, where I would have to not do that like I am not doing it because the other one was really fucking expensive and I'll just deal with it. So, there you go. Alexa Bliss has clear sinuses and she'll be back. Uh, I thought her match with Charlotte and we'll get into it was actually really good until the weird fucking Alkal Seltzer ending. Uh, but Chris, Alexa's coming back. Uh, now, do you think when she comes back, do you think she'll be the old Alexa Bliss and scrapping this whole entire fucking bullshit?
0: As someone that's never been a huge Alexa Bliss fan in general, I hope that she does come back as a baby face and be the old Alexa Bliss. Um, I mean, if they want to do some tiebacks at some point in the future, that's fine. But I, like, listen to the crowd. in that building of the pay-per-view we're about to talk about. Uh, And that's her hometown. I I don't think the doll gimmick thing is working. It's it's whatever. So I I didn't realize that she was injured, though. In quotations, I should say.
1: Yep. Well, Lexi will get back to us when she gets over her surgeries in her, her nostrils. Um, that was a weird transition. Anyways, is it, is,
0: Alexa Bliss has been injured. Not not to say anything negative about Alexa Bliss, but most of her WWE career, she's spent injured.
1: Well, this this last one's not technically an injury. She just, you know, between I'm just I'm assuming hereditary stuff like with uh, deviated septum, like I am, or if and I'm pretty sure she has got her nose broken. It's something she's put off, and I guess the WWE is letting her go correct it now. And I've had the surgery. It's really fucking weird. It's like someone, like, pulling your teeth, but it's through your nose. But that's the only way I can really explain it. Very strange.
0: Yeah, I mean, that sucks. I I was more just, you know, in general with her career. I feel like...
1: They're tacking on about two more years uh, to the end of her
0: contract that she'll have to work. Well, I mean, she's going to get it. She's injured so she gets to hang out with Ryan Cabrera her fiance or husband at this point. <laughs> you Remember that guy? Um, he was yeah. on the Hills.
1: <laughs> he was uh with uh Miss Ashley Simpson I believe for a while.
0: The guy's got some hair on him.
1: He does. He has one hell of a head. <laughs> uh anyways, uh hey Chris, since we're, you know, talking about dog shit like Ryan Cabrera, um I heard you've been watching the G1 tournament. I have not gotten a chance to check that much of it out, aside from those two matches that we talked about last time, which were fucking awesome with Shikaru Takagi and uh, Ishii and then uh, Okada and Tanahashi. But what have you been watching? What's the standings like? Who's like in the lead? And who do you project right now where we are? Who's going to be the last two people in the finals?
0: So right now the standings is uh, Zack Sabre, at least as of this morning, was Zach Saber Jr is 3 and 0 and Okada is I want I want to say 4 and 0 cuz you know they work like it it's a block and b block and I mean that pretty much no Zach Saber Jr is 4 and 0 and Okada is uh also 4 and 0 I guess this list updated Jeff Cobb is also 4 and 0 but if I had to go with a final I'm assuming it's going to be Okada versus Zach Saber Jr which I, I'm fine with. There's been a lot of really, really good matches in it. It's it it's just been kind of slept on this year because AEW's kind of hit the ground running with everything they have going on. So there's not been a lot of conversations, at least unless you're a diehard New Japan fan, there's not been a lot of conversation about it in America. Um, but yeah, like the crazy thing is like Ishii had like one of the best matches and he's two and three in this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> like the great ocon is four and one dane let, th- let that sink what? in <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so while there's been some really great matches there's been some duds jeff Cops looked incredible all the Okota match okada matches have been good all the zack saber jr matches have been good all the ishii matches have been absolutely incredible it's just that it- you know, I think I think he took a loss to Takagi, obviously, and then um, I think he took another one to Shingo. I'd have to pull it back up. Um, but Naito withdrew from the tournament, which I think is the
1: yeah. He got injured, right?
0: Did yeah, he fuck like up his ankle. His he's yeah, he's got some kind of knee injury, and it's oh, his knee. Oof. If it's enough for Naito not to do G1, then it's probably pretty bad. But we haven't heard any kind of real news about that. Uh, Goto is o4 so there's <laughs> there's that uh tamatanga really is still out here living done. his best life <laughs> uh at, at, at a good at a good uh one in three but yeah like it's been a good tournament so far but it's like the good matches are the ones you would expect to be good like if i was like hey dane check out this ishii takagi match it doesn't matter if it's a g1 or not you know, you'd be like, all no. oh, right, I'm sure that's a good match." And it's the same thing with like, you know, Okada and Tanahashi. Of course, that's going to be a good match. It's not the best match they've ever had. Like, there's so many good examples of those guys working together. Um, but it's been a solid tournament. Like, really good wrestling, and I do like the prospect of either Jeff Cobb, which I think is what we're going to get in the 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 final for the B block. It's going to be Jeff Cobb versus uh, Kazuchika Okada which that match should be incredible. But either of those guys against Zack Sabre Jr., which is what I'm leaning towards in the A block, I mean, it should be good shit. I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, you'll like... Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jeff Cobb. You want to see that match, Dane? Yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kazuchika Okada in the G1 finals. You want to see that match, Dane? Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. All right, see, that, that's what I'm... I guess that's more of what I'm getting at. Kota has not looked the same since coming back from his injury in COVID. Um, so I will say Koda Bushi's matches have not... not been what you would expect out of Coda.
1: That sucks. Well, it's too bad about Koda Bushi and Tetsuya Naito, um within this whole entire thing. I think... What I think is going to happen is they're going to allow Great Muda to take over after um, Naito and just take his block and just get a bunch of wins because Great Muda, and then he'll go against, um, I don't know which block it is. We'll pretend he he'll go against Jeff Cobb. That's what I'm calling.
0: That would be absolutely incredible. The, the listing I have, it just says Naito, and it, it's zero points, 0 and 9, withdrew from tournament with a knee injury. So I don't know how they're going to figure that out, because that means that there's going to be a, basically a buy for anyone that would be wrestling Naito. So you just get a win Look, because he's bastards. not there. Um, it would be a great time to bring somebody in. You know, like, I don't know, filthy Tom Lawler. What's he up to? Apparently he's having awesome
1: matches with Hammerstone that I haven't gotten a chance to check out yet.
0: Amazing match. Everyone go check out that MLW fusion match that, that Dane just referenced. It was a hell of a match. Really great shit from both guys.
1: Really looking forward to the Opera Cup. Like what MLW is doing. I need to check out the first episode of Alpha. Is that what they're calling
0: it? Um Things like yeah. Fusion Alpha or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that is what they're what, what's going on, speaking of which, what is going on with WWE and MLW? Wasn't that supposed to be a thing? I think it
1: fizzled out just like the fucking New Japan thing. I think that these were proposals, I'm assuming, by Triple H, and they didn't work. I think a lot of it, at least with the New Japan stuff, had to do with Daniel Bryan, but I think Triple H was gun ho about NXT crossing over with mlw and maybe he was like but dad if we do this like you know with in the past don't buy that company then right afterwards like we're just trying to like you know hang out with them (laughs) and then vince is like get the fuck out of here
0: fired him (laughs) not to not to go back to er something we talked about earlier but seth specifically talking about gabe sapolsky was pretty funny uh in the (laughs) all austin interview isn't he supposed to get his own show at some point too i guess not that's not happen, happening no. it's not gonna happen unfortunately Gabe Sapolsky is one of the best bookers in the entire world
1: just a fucking waste all in general well but you know i didn't get a chance to nxt but we'll talk about nxt uh in, in, in a few but you know we just talked about g1 tournament great wrestling Good show, like usual. Let's talk about Extreme Rules, because that's the extreme, I, I would think, opposite. I'm just kidding. There was actually some good matches on this, but there, the thing that kills a lot of it, at least for me, Chris, is the endings to some of these fucking matches. Talk about, like, scratching your goddamn head.
0: <laughs> you know, if it's called Extreme Rules, I'd rather, I I rather either I want the referees to be very, very extreme in their DQ <laughs> abilities, or I want it to be... Complete ECW, and we got neither the entire night. Like I think we got to the main event, and I was like, for for something called Extreme Rules, we had zero extreme matches, and we also got a DQ finish with uh, Becky, where at the beginning she, at the beginning of the show, she literally said, "It's Extreme Rules, anything goes," and then it's like a DQ finish. Like, uh. God damn it! I mean, it was. I will say, anyone that's listening to this now and didn't listen to last weekend's podcast, go check out last weekend's podcast, because I think Dane and I both predicted this entire event. event.
1: Pretty much. I think the majority of it, yeah. Uh, the first match, I didn't get a chance to see the pre-show match, but I'm glad to hear that Liv Morgan defeated Carmella less than eight minutes. If she didn't, what the fuck was the point of even putting this match on the card? And we would find out why it's on the main, because I think our biggest thing was like, they don't have enough matches on here. And they decided to put something together last minute that would have been probably a drawing concept if they just promoted it. So I don't know if this is a case where Vince didn't know he was going to have that match there until fucking right before the goddamn thing. But um, yeah, uh, but yeah, so like I was saying, <laughs> Liv Morgan obviously needed to go over Carmella, right, Chris? Yes,
0: yeah, she, she definitely needed it. The fans are really behind Liv right now, which I'm cool with. I like Liv Morgan a lot. so.
1: I do, too. I like Liv Morgan a lot.
0: And, um, but to answer your question about like weird shit that happened in this pay-per-view, there was an unannounced match with Big E at the very beginning.
1: Of that's this what pay-per-view. I'm saying, man. How the fuck? How are you going to do Like, Did Vince just come in and he's like, we're going to add another match? Like, How are you not going to announce, oh, we're going to have the New Day, and they're going to go against ex-champion Bobby Lashley, and then AJ Styles and Omos that's something you fucking announce unless you just oh shit we only got five matches on the goddamn thing like <laughs>
0: <laughs> which we talked about last weekend i was like five matches what the hell how <laughs> um,
1: inconsequential is this goddamn event it's extreme rules two matches are actually extreme rules on it and it's right before the draft
0: yeah who it, gives a shit it's 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 kind of wild i mean we did get a very good match out of the random thrown together it's awesome. Dude, Day versus Omos and uh, AJ and, and uh, Bobby. Like, that was a really fun match. They should have probably promoted that. Because I feel like people would tune in for that. Also, my wife is still baffled by how big Omos is every time she sees him on screen.
1: <laughs> There's something weird. It's not so much me wanting to watch the match, but when he was in something and he kind of had like a stare off of Bobby Lashley and then also him and Big E like there's something about that. That's very intriguing, but I will say my notes that I had Big E Kofi and Xavier are all awesome. I think Bobby Lashley, just like with Randy Orton, just like with Sheamus, and a lot of guys that I think that me, you and a lot of wrestling fans have criticized have stepped up their game immensely when it comes to uh, their in ring. And I thought Bobby was great in it. Intense as hell. I'm glad he got the pin because it really... Even though, why the fuck would he give the chance for this guy to go for the championship if he eats the pin? It's because Bobby... And it's kind of weird because he's a heel and big, he's a baby face. He kind of got, you know, a little bit fucked over and he wants this goddamn rematch. And we'll talk about that on Raw. But um Amos has got a lot of personality. He's fucking huge. He looks intimidating. And AJ Styles is AJ Styles. So... This is a pretty damn good match. New Day went over. Uh, like I said, Bobby Lashley took the pin from Big E, I believe.
0: Was this the match we got the very rare AJ Styles fucked up and he slipped on the yeah. apron? <laughs> That's AJ very Styles
1: rare. can fuck up. He can do that
0: sometimes, once in a while. Very, very rarely, but yeah. He pulled the an Arn Anderson and busted ass. That I have that in my notes. And then... Um, Xavier Woods, like the hot tag that Xavier Woods had coming in against Bobby Lashley, that, that might have been some of the best stuff in the match. Uh, where he hit, he like goes for the Tornado DDT and doesn't get it, and then he goes for it again and finally gets it. And the crowd lost their ever-loving fucking mind, which I would too, because I'm a big Woods fan. But um, yeah, this match should have been promoted. This This might be my favorite match of the night, looking back on it.
1: This is a damn good match, man. I it's, think mine's also, a triple
0: threat. Yeah, the triple threat one was really, really good, too. The, the, those would definitely be my one and two, and you could probably put them on order. You know what they both have in common? No weird fuck finishes. <laughs>
1: yep. Which even
0: this one kind of gave you a fuck finish with you know, Lashley spearing AJ Styles on accident. Um, which, hey, man, what way, you doing
1: that for? AJ,
0: I feel like AJ, like, tried to put himself through the ring when he got speared. If he could, he would, man. <laughs> like, Lashley barely touched him, and AJ went, like, full HBK and tried to send himself through the ring. It was great. It's a great, great spot. Uh, AJ is phenomenal.
1: But, he really is all right, uh, Usos, the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions going against Street Profits. I mean, I want to see more of this, honestly, but I feel like I've seen a better match between these two. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm going crazy. I don't even know. It's going to be a point now, Chris, where I've seen so there's There's so little tag teams, and I've seen so many matches from the tag teams that I feel like this had to have happened about 18 fucking times in the past, but this actually could have been their first confrontation. I really don't know, but uh, either way, I I think eventually the profits need to take those titles away. Unless Vince thinking about taking Montez Ford and putting him, you know, uh, by himself, like he did last SmackDown against Roman Reigns, which was interesting. Um, I don't know. But I I like this match, but I feel like I've seen them do a better version of this match.
0: Am I crazy? Have they gone against each other? Yeah, they have, and I think they've had a better match, but the entire premise of this match is that Montez is injured. Yep. Which, now you have to work off that. Because Roman Uh, fucked him up. Yeah, so... I like this match a lot. I thought it was very good. And it's always crazy. Anytime Montez jumps off that top rope for the f- frog splash, I feel like he's jumping out of the building with how high <laughs> he's. Dude, gets... it's crazy. It's like Ellen Iverson or some shit, man. He, he gets so much air. It's insane. Um I mean there's some really cool spots. I like the Usos they won clean. Um yeah. which was which is fine. I mean, they did beat you know, they did the beat down with Montez earlier on that. Or on SmackDown, you know, uh, Montez Ford in typical dumbass baby face fashion <laughs> showed up with this injured part taped <laughs> so that they knew what to aim at, <laughs> which I found very hilarious. But that's just an old wrestling trip. It was a good match. I don't think I have any real complaints about it. I actually, um, I, God, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, Montez Ford's partner did a really good job. Angela Dawkins. Dawkins did a really good job carrying a lot of the match because the entire storyline is that Montez Ford is injured. And I think Dawkins did a really good job carrying what that match was supposed to be. And it came out fine. Also, like, Double Splash by the Usos. Always cool. I wish they would go back to where he used to hit the Tequila Sunrise as one of the other Usos was splashing a guy. Remember when that was a thing?
1: Yeah. That would be cool.
0: Yep. But, yeah, outside of that, like, really good match. Um, I think me and you predicted this would be the best match of the night. Either this and or Roman. It versus was good. Finn.
1: You know what? I, and I, it's not that I'm trying to put this down. I just feel like we would be talking about this being a really good SmackDown match. You know what I'm saying? Like it it was it pay per view esque? No, nothing groundbreaking, but it was still a good match between two really good tag teams.
0: Yeah, I think the problem is we've just seen these two tag teams together so much. Um, which I know that like street profits are coming back now, but before that the feud was Usos and street profits. Yep. Yep. So it's, you know, and, and,
1: oh yeah, they fucking got the titles from them. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so
0: tired. Sorry. Uh, I mean, that just, I mean, this just points out that like WWE doesn't care about their tag division. I mean, they care about having really good matches. And that's a, a credit to WWE for this pay-per-view. I will say this. They gave every match time, at least. Yep. yep. So there was some good in-ring work and stuff. And, like, people were working their asses off and had some good matches. But some of the finishes and stuff, well, we're about to get – we'll just wait. We'll get into that. <laughs> that, I guess.
1: Yep. Next up, speaking about questionable finishes, Charlotte and Alexa Bliss – for the Raw Women's Championship. And I didn't know that she was taking a break to get her DBA septum corrected or whatever the sinus uh, surgery uh, that she's doing. That makes a lot more sense that they're taking her off. Maybe this is a reason to get her away from the mystical stuff. Then again, the Lily Dolls sell like fucking hotcakes to the kids, so I don't know if I would do that either, even though it's basically ripping off a gimmick of a wrestler that the fucking company fired. So I, I, I don't know either way. I'm kind of like 50-50 on that. But I thought they had a pretty damn good match in the ring. And I will say this for the the fucking main event. If they didn't do that weird ending, I think it was a pretty good match between them. I think that Alexa using the code red, which she's used before, she does it really fucking well. So I actually like her using that move. Um, but man, the only thing that's scary about it is I'm thinking how tall Charlotte is and how small Alexa is. And if she fucking has her head out, That could be really devastating to her neck. But I also like how Charlotte has been doing, um, you know, a little tribute to her fiancé with doing the uh, moonsault and missing it the first time because the other person rolls and then doing the back handspring into another moonsault on top of them. Uh, I like that little nod. But, yeah, I thought these ladies, they had a really good match. And then the ending was just fucking bizarre uh, because when she lost, you know, uh, Charlotte, grabbed the Lily doll and just fucking ripped it up in a million goddamn pieces. Uh, And uh, Alexa just rose from the table. She was put through and fucking went crazy and uh, was trying to put on a, a good performance. And it's not that she wasn't doing well. It's just the camera angles later on revealed that. I don't know why you need to be frothing or foaming at the mouth anyways from this. But she probably needed to drink a little bit of water for that Alka-Seltzer to uh, break down a little bit. So at the end, if you don't know what I'm talking about, she's up the ramp. She's freaking out. She's crying some more. I mean, she's forced herself to cry. There's tears coming out. And she's really intense. But her, the, the camera is overhead a little bit. Shows her mouth. She's got an right in there. That's causing, I guess, some of the foaming that's not happening. Really fucking awkward. Really weird. Bizarre. And the crowd was sh- saying, and I, I shit you fucking not, thank you, Lily. Clap, 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 clap. Thank you, Lily. Clap, clap.
0: Ugh. Yeah, that crowd kind of, like, they missed the boat. They should have been na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na, nah, nah. hey, 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 goodbye. When Charlotte Well, ripped it's her doll.
1: hometown,
0: so I guess that might have been some of the reasoning for it. But, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so Charlotte whipped her ass. And then ripped her doll up, and then you get like a, a five-second comeback, and then Charlotte whips her ass again, and then just leaves. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I took out of the match. It was a good match. Like there's good stuff in the ring, um, <laughs> but that's what happened. Yeah, uh, I mean Charlotte beat her ass, ripped her little doll up into pieces, and then got kind of a little. Bitty beat down, but then Charlotte just like punts her in the head and leaves. <laughs> like you're like okay, <laughs> which we should have all seen this coming because, like you said, it is Alexa's hometown. So yeah, <laughs> only, <laughs> only Naomi's
1: the only me. person to beat that, and then she did, hasn't had a championship since. So <laughs> Ugh.
0: yeah. I'm- Jesus. I'm excited to see what they do with Alexa when she comes back though. And we, and we talked about this a bit earlier. I think that she could come back as a big baby face if they separate her from the doll. And maybe even you channel a little bit of what you do with uh, the demon. Like if she has to go to that dark place, you can have her do promos talking to the doll or something later on, but just there's nothing wrong with just Alexa bliss being Alexa bliss. You could just do that. I mean, She is a former women's champion who is very popular even before you did this uh, weird-ass angle for no reason.
1: Yep. And like I said, the fact that the angle comes from the creative of someone else that you fired also kind of has a bad taste in my mouth anyways, regardless of it. So, I don't know. But it does sell merch, though. Dude, who the fuck are buying these Lily dolls? If, if, If she was freaking the fuck out... I heard Brian Alvarez say this, like, why should you go on WWE.com? They're selling those fucking goddamn dolls like hotcakes. Buy another
0: one. <laughs> he said $25 at the gimmick table. It made me laugh so hard. I Jesus. Heard this. Uh, yeah, that does take away the mystique of the doll. That, I mean, I think that's been kind of, not. well, I hate this in general, but for a creepy doll, like, it should be very creepy, one-of-a-kind. You go to an antique store and just pick one, you know?
1: Get like no. an American Girl doll from the fucking 90s and make it look dirty and, and, like, I don't know, burn it a little bit
0: or some shit. Yeah, like a Cabbage, patch, missing. Like a cabbage patch Kid doll that's been through, like, seven yard cells. Exactly.
1: <laughs> All right, so, like I said, this might be my favorite match. For the WWE United States Championship, we had Damian Priest, Jeff Hardy, and Sheamus. I thought all guys were really just on the money. (laughs) I think that's one of the biggest things. And I have to say, Chris, at least just because he's so hard-hitting, his pace has been excellent. Like He doesn't look like he ever gets fucking blown up. And just like the little arrogant things like when he went to go do the knee drop off top ropes and made fun of Jeff Hardy – Sheamus is my MVP in this, and I, I, I'm i pretty sure he ate the pin, and I really, honestly, for a little while, I thought Jeff was going to win this. I am glad that Damian retained it, because I think that that's pulling him up to a level that's good, but I, I think all these guys, they have excellent chemistry. I mean, they've only worked against each other probably a million fucking times, because of that's what we've gotten the last year, but they performed a really good three-way match, which is hard to pull off sometimes. And I keep on being like I've said, like like Orton, like Lashley, like a lot of guys that me, you wrestling fans criticize sometimes for not doing a hell of a lot in their matches. They've all picked it up a notch. And Sheamus might be the best example of that, honestly.
0: Definitely my favorite part of the pay-per-view is Sheamus doing (laughs) the Jeff Hardy (laughs) <laughs> the Jeff Hardy gimmick—it's—it's—it might be the funniest thing I've seen in WWE outside of like Cameron Grimes. <laughs> it was really, really just natural and very funny. And I love Damian Priest doing the what do they call it—the ten beats of the ballers or whatever. Yep. Um, on Sheamus, and then Sheamus getting out of it <laughs> and immediately putting him in. it. Sheamus had some good spots in this match. Uh, Jeff Hardy just sold his ass off, like. <laughs> He had like three moves, and then for the most part was just getting his ass kicked the rest of the match. It was just great because Jeff Hardy, he's really, really good at selling. And uh, I I love the finish of this match. I thought it was really, really cool. I I hate roll-up finishes because it's WWE, but in this situation, it kind of made sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like where Sheamus misses a brogue kick, gets hit with a twist of fate or whatever – uh, or Basically, you had, like, all of the finishers happen, but it still ended with a roll-up, which I thought was kind of neat, and, and it protects Sheamus a little bit. And-
1: uh, there was that one part where what looked like they were trying to go for... I thought Jeff Hardy, even though he's the one who slipped, was really good about handling it and making it look like he was trying to go for a rear-naked choke. But there was that one part where he had Damian Priest... No, Damian Priest had him. He looked like he was about to put his finisher... And they were trying to reverse it so Jeff Hardy could have them in the uh, the twist of faith, but he kind of slipped, fell back, took Damian Priest with them, and then looked like he was trying to apply a choke. But I mean, that's like a little small critique. And like I said, a legend like Jeff Hardy is able to like act in the moment and do it well. But yeah, I just I had a lot of fun with this match. It wasn't. I don't even think it was like 15 minutes long. I think it was like shorter than that. Uh, how how long? 13 minutes and 25 seconds. But it was a lot of fun. And uh, I just I have to say, Chris, I, I I like it. It's a cool concept. But Damian Priest, again, scared me with the flip to the outside. He does where he j- jumps off the middle rope and flips forward because it seems like he's so fucking tall. He keeps on getting closer and closer, <laughs> closer to the goddamn apron as opposed to projecting himself. And one of these times then it's like. His legs just hit him. He's going to hit his fuck the back of his head on the fucking apron.
0: I mean, that and not everyone is Jeff Hardy and Seamus catching you. Yeah. <laughs> Big ass doing a flip. Ask Samoa Joe how well that works sometimes. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and Damian Priest came out looking really good here. I, You know, they showed the uh, Latin Music Awards ceremony where he was there with Bad Bunny and – I mean, they're really trying to get behind the guy and push him. I and mean, I like Damian Priest. Um, but yeah, the star of this match was definitely Sheamus <laughs> mocking Jeff Hardy.
1: <laughs> Good shit, dude. Good shit.
0: Now I want Jeff Hardy and Sheamus in the tag team. You like throwing Sheamus in random tag teams. Why? Why not?
1: That would actually be fun. I am actually down for that fucking... And I'm kind of getting sick of the whole like, oh, let's do the... Odd couple fucking tag team with Nikki Ash and fucking uh, Rhea Ripley. But you give me that one, I think that will be entertaining as hell. And they're both they, – they've been in tag teams before.
0: Especially if Sheamus does the finger hardy gimmick and goes, oh, and then does the like drop off the top.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. If they come out, and even if it's not the, the Hardy Boys
0: music, if –
1: if Seamus starts doing as a mock to Jeff, like, the whole, like, Jeff entrance, putting his hand in the air and shit like that and doing a dance, that would be hilarious. Like, I will try,
0: cry. trying to be the cool kid but not being cool enough kind of thing. If or Jeff's just doing it and then fucking him off in his face. Seamus starts wearing pants from Hot Topic and shit. That would be lit.
1: God, <laughs> I got his pants
0: from, from fucking Hot Topic. Fucking parachute pants. We were watching this match and I said, Karen, how many, uh, my wife, Karen, by the way, I was like, how many of these pants do you think Jeff Hardy? Because <laughs> he's been wearing them since like 98, 99 at this point. Like how many?
1: It's like people, people in the mall of wherever he lives at in in, uh, in North Carolina, they like <laughs> see him going to only two places. It's it's fucking hot topic and
0: pack sun. And then that's it. <laughs> I love Jeff Hardy so much. It would, that would be a funny tag team if they did that. And, and like I said, I, I think they did a good job with Damian Priest. Me, I think I predicted that Jeff was going to eat the pin. So when he didn't eat the pin here, I was kind of surprised by that. But they did a roll-up finish, which you know, still a good match. Yep. All right, seven. The
1: the two long matches with the weird, the weirdest of weird endings, are our two main events. First, Becky Lynch against Bianca Belair for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. I told you in a text, I think the problem with this is I just didn't care as much as I think I should have, or maybe any viewer should have. Uh, I don't know. I can't talk on behalf of any of you guys out there. But I thought Becky looked really good for, you know, just coming back. This is her first long-term match. She gave birth like fucking... um, what, two months ago, three months ago, maybe? Like, I thought that she was really good in the match, and I actually thought that her and Bianca had some really cool spots. But the ending's the ending, and that's Sasha coming out and knocking fucking uh, Bianca, causing a DQ finish, and then beating up fucking Becky after she was done with uh, Bianca. So, I mean, it's cool because this projects us into a really interesting three-way, unless they get drafted differently. I don't know. I kind of hope that all three of these ladies stay on SmackDown and we can get that. But at the same time, it was like, all right, like you couldn't have had a definitive winner. I don't know. Just kind of threw me off a bit. Um, you could have had, if give Becky the fucking win over Bianca if you're going to keep the championship on her. She The last time she did, I know she's a heel now, but the last time she did it was bullshit. So give her an actual definitive win and then have fucking Sasha come out start attacking Bianca, maybe you're like, oh, since they're horsewomen and they're fucking heels, they're going to be cool with each other. And then she attacks Becky too to be like, no, I'm going after you too, bitch. And then that kind of pushes it together. I don't know. You just had two wonky finishes back-to-back at the ending and it just really put a bad taste in my mouth. But um, I thought the match itself was good. A little sloppy at times, but I thought it still held itself together. The ending, just, all right whatever we don't care
0: yeah I mean the ending came out of nowhere right well I mean I predicted it but I didn't think that would be how it went down where just Sasha shows up I thought there would maybe be some more intrigue or interest and in, in that kind of thing or at least entertainment value of what happened but nah, she just ran to the ring for the DQ. <laughs> I think I like I was texting you about this match and the problem the problems I had with the match I think it's like pr- a, a good match not in the same league as like what Bianca was able to do with Sasha so I look forward to them wrestling again but they relied way too much on trying to hit the disarmor. so like there's 5 minutes where it's just Becky trying to set that up repeatedly and then the the hair just the constant battle over Bianca's hair. And I know that's kind of both their gimmicks or whatever, but it'd be like if every move Okada did was just him going for <laughs> the Rainmaker. <laughs> you know, like... Yep. Um, and, and 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 it slowed the match... When you're getting to these weird things where it's just trying to lock in a submission, it slows the match down to a crawl. So that would be... The midsection of that match is kind of slow and also Becky is got some ring rust. I'm not going to say that she looked bad or anything in this match. I think you actually, you said it best. I feel like, you know, coming back from us from how long she was out and coming back. I, I think it was a really good match, but like the ways that they would try to go into the disarmor and stuff was kind of off putting. Uh, if I'm looking at it with a critical eye, but it, it was a fun match and a shit finish. And fans in that building, why didn't you chant, we want Bailey"?
1: No shit, man. (laughs) I completely agree with you on that. You know, ding dong, hello. Fuck. No, but uh, two things I I will say, Chris, about this too. Just the feud itself. Bianca Belair. I feel like this is not so much her fault as much as I gave Brian Pillman shit for. Because I, I... they're kind of like, do what you t- you're, you're told sort of thing over in WWE, obviously. We've already talked about that at length. Um, but the, the the lack of fire in the, pr- the promos, her coming out and spinning her hair still when Becky fucked you over, like I wish there was more intensity. I, I wish we could see a different side of Bianca during this feud because she got screwed over and she was way too humble and cool being beaten like that. And it kind of took a little bit of interest out of this match to begin with. And I'm sorry, this is just across the board, even MJF too. I'm sure that you're not worried about it because not every fucking WWE fan is an MMA fan. I get that. But arm bars are trash in pro wrestling. They look ridiculous. The only way an arm bar works is if you have the arm and you extend it so that the shoulder is popping out. You can't do it from another direction where your fucking elbow sticking out, and it, it just it look it, it, it doesn't even look effective at all. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's a nitpick, but whenever I see it, I can't stand it. And I think I messaged you about that.
0: Yeah, and I was on the same page with you, just because I was tired of seeing the setup for that move. I think that wore on you more than anything else. If you really think about it, is how many times they tried to set up the disarm armor. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, channel your inner Brock Lesnar, you camorra lock?
1: That would look a lot easier (laughs) to do a fucking camorra lock or or a uh, triangle. You can make those look legit, even if they don't look, you know, they're not legit. But, like, there's only one way to make an arm bar successful. And if you don't have it just pivoting your, your arm up, basically, then it's not locked in. And some of the times they were doing a good job, especially on commentary, saying, oh, she hasn't got it yet. But when they're making it look like Bianca's like getting hurt by it, it's like no, she has her arm completely the opposite goddamn way. I'm not an idiot. I'm watching this. But then again, not everyone's gonna know that. That's watching it. Me and you both like MMA, so maybe that has something to do with it.
0: They did a really good job with Becky when they were giving her her big baby face run because they put her against someone that was double jointed. By Alexa Bliss.
1: She yeah, I'm trying to remember.
0: I'm trying to remember who it was, but they like let her pull the arm out of socket because it wasn't that big of a deal <laughs> and it looked insane uh but yeah like if you're if you're gonna be hill becky lynch right you should save the disarmor and injure people with it like randy orton's punt you know just come up with a different finisher and, and yep. not the rock not the man slam which is a rock a sidewalk slam rock bottom instead whatever you want to call it uh, the Becky
1: blam. We'll just call it that. Just do that instead. Just the, the other one just looks dumb. Unless you're going to do like Pentagon does it where you grab the arm. And then obviously when you're pulling back, you're dropping to your elbow. So you have the arm. you know, There's an, I don't know.
0: They do. Well, like him and uh, him and AJ Styles both do that. Where it's like a Japanese variant of it. And I can't think of the name of it. Where they like pick you up for a rock bottom and like drop you on their knee. Well, no, 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 I'm I'm talking
1: about the armbar itself, like when uh, Pentagon does the armbar that quote-unquote breaks people's shoulder, he like pulls back on it, uh, but he's on top on the other side, and when he falls, he falls to his right, so he's not really taking the arm down, he lets it go, but it looks like, oh my god, he just fucking ripped it out of the goddamn socket, but... It just looks like shit. when the way that MJF and Becky do it every single time, I'm like, yeah, his arm's just twisted over. It doesn't even look like it's doing shit to it.
0: I think that's some of the brilliance of the like moves, like the sharpshooter and the figure four. Yep. <laughs> you know, like putting someone in a wrestling, uh, professional wrestling submission hold versus a real submission hold. There, there's a lot to be said about that. That's why I liked Brock with the Kimura lock. Like I said, when he put that thing on yep. John Cena and broke his arm, in quotations, that shit looked real, because Brock Lesnar <laughs> could probably Kimura lock your arm to death. He'd probably I'd look at my it. arm and it breaks. I'd be like, oh, goddamn. Brock, calm down. Um, but yeah, He's got bro. a family, damn it. <laughs> yeah, my arm's got a family, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I... I, I get exactly what you're saying about it. the thing it, who used to do the flip arm breaker, but they kind of set it up as a pump hold and then flip over into it. Oh, who did that? I know. I know what you're talking about too. Cause I mean, it was basically like a, like a code red or the person taking the move is doing most of the work, but there was a, someone that had like a flip arm breaker and that looked kind of devastating.
1: But you know what doesn't look devastating is 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 that the one that we're talking about to just harm her. Um, let's talk about the main event: Roman Reigns, the WWE Universal Champion, with Paul Heyman in his corner, going against the Demon Finn Balor. Apparently, Vince told Finn, if you're wondering, not to do any of the weird move uh, you know movements to the ring like he normally does, and that's the reason why he hasn't done it. So. All those, like, horror movie-esque things that he would do, that weird crawl shit. Yeah, that that doesn't look good. Instead, just walk out and just put your hands up a bunch of times like you would normally with fucking makeup on. Why? Like, (sighs) it's going to get even worse, guys, because the demon's about to die by the end of this. So, just bear with me, I guess, but... I thought this match was almost 20 minutes. I thought it was an awesome match. They fought in the fucking audience. They went everywhere. And I love the ending sequence. If they didn't have that little fucking section with the heartbeat and the music going for the coup de gras, I think they would have been fine. I don't mind the fact that the ring ropes broke at the end of it. If all that other stupid shit didn't happen beforehand, I would have been cool with it. If he actually just had like, you know, a moment where he gets up all like enraged and goes, ah, like, you know, like gets him motivated and gets himself back up into the fight and does exactly the same fucking thing he did without the music playing, which was stupid and him convulsing with the fucking heartbeat. All this has to be fucking Vince's idea because the red light was on. So remember what we were talking about beforehand with Seth Rollins and, and, and the Fiend. Vince like, oh, mystical. Why are we going Mystical. He explained in two different promos the last two weeks that he does it when it's like his war paint. It's him when he's turning it on to 100. You got away from the mystical aspect. It was just him putting on something and going to a certain level in his head mentally of like, I'm going to fuck him up. Why the hell do you have to put the fucking heartbeat that's over the speakers? That's uh, like It's just so stupid. And then you start the song back up. He does everything, and then the the coup de grace, if you will, the fucking ropes break, and he falls and gets speared. One, two, three. The Demon's now defeated and buried six feet under the goddamn ground. It should have been a buried alive match, honestly. If you just took that fucking section, to me at least, it's a good match. Roman beat the Demon, but the Demon had to fight the Usos. You have still that awesome sequence where he put the Usos through tables. That, that fucking table bump that Roman took for Christ's sakes, with the uh, drop kick through the table was awesome. Uh, that spear that Roman did with, with Finn through the damn barricade. You had so many good parts this match, the fighting outs in the crowd. And then he ruined it to me with that section that was unneeded. So even if the rubs break and they kind of run with it, I know that Roman was like looking up and like you know praying like, as if like his ancestors had helped him out or something. I don't have a problem with that because that could happen. All right. I really don't. You want to have that as part of your ending. And that's the reason that maybe Paul Heyman fucked with it or something else happened. You can throw that little wrinkle in there. That's fine. It kind of helps fit out and doesn't bury him completely. But now I don't give a shit about the demon gimmick. It's pointless to me. That was all stupid, unneeded. Like, what was this? A telltale heart from fucking Edgar Allan Poe. Like the the fucking heartbeat. (laughs) So stupid. Just dumb.
0: That's yes, what he thought. I was laughing really hard at all Heart comment. Uh the ending was terrible. This was a really good match. Outside of the ending. I mean, I think if you it's just a normal finish, whatever, maybe like the Usos interfere, whatever you want to do. Or like my prediction was is that Brock was gonna show up. So like the demon yeah. doesn't really lose, it's just Brock's out here suplexing motherfuckers which would have made sense they could have done that but what they did instead is the ring broke (laughs) and i think you texted like because me and you were talking about this while watching it as everyone knows you texted me here's like i think you think they're going to do something with paul Heyman. And I was like, no, they're too dumb to do that. Like, if they were going to do something with Paul, like, that would have been good if Paul just, like, pulled out some bolt cutters as he's going from the Coup Snap Snapped the ropes or something, but that's not even what happened. They just exploded. And uh, I think that both Finn and Roman knew that was a shit finish because of the spear that Roman hit at the end of that match. It was over 9,000, and Finn sold it like a million bucks, Uh, which, good on them, man, but the fucking don't bring the red light. Can we get over the red light? Please. (laughs) I knew that match was going to be shit, at least a shit finish as soon as the fucking red light started flashing. I was like, they're going to do this. Uh, And they did. (sighs) They did it, Dane. They're bringing the red light back.
1: Well, they ain't bringing shit back, because he's done. Uh, We'll see Finn at some point, I guess, in the future, but I don't... I mean, is the demon even accessible, or does anyone even give a shit now at this point? Also, like, they they had him literally going with the heartbeat of his theme music at the beginning of it on the ground, convulsing.
0: There's someone that, like, made the Spongebob meme where it's a floppy fish. Oh, it. my God, That's it's hilarious. hilarious. It's pretty damn funny. but did like they didn't even build to the fact that you should be worried about Roman reigns because like he's gonna hit a coupe de gras on Roman reigns who kicks out of everything. He'd have to like <laughs> do that. He had to do that from the top of the building. His demon powers meant nothing to the the head of the table, turns out. But, like I said, Roman speared the shit out of him. That that last spear at the end of the match looked really great. The one they did through the, like you were talking about earlier, through the barrier looked really, really good. Is This has got to be the best Roman has ever been in ring. Oh, yeah. I would say so. So, I mean, I thought that I, outside of just hating the fucking finish and WWE booking, I thought this was a really good match. Me
1: too, man. Honestly, I can deal with the fucking stupid rope spot because you can do whatever to explain that later on. But that one part where they put the fucking theme music back on and had him like humping the ground and like jumping back up and flopping like a goddamn fish to like get to the coup de grace. It was like so someone put on his theme music and it's like Paul Bearer with the fucking urn? Like, what the hell? Like, no, just let him let him fucking like you know, you, you have him on the floor selling that he's, he's messed up and maybe he smacks himself in the face and maybe he gets angry and then he fucking finally gets up to his feet while Roman's kind of slowly getting up like what the hell's wrong with him and started, maybe screams in rage and then runs at Roman, does the exact same thing he did and then you find out maybe later that, that Paul Hammond might have cut the goddamn rope when he fucking falls. You could have had that stupid spot at the end that I still hate. But that setup really fucking killed it for me. All credibility was out the window when the red light came on.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, it was really funny. They put the set thing right after this.
1: I know. And when he was talking about it, I'm like, I wonder if Finn Balor and fucking Roman were like, thanks, Vince. That was a great idea.
0: Great fucking idea. I think you you could have done the same finish, but then just had like, like we were talking about, have Paul cut the ropes with bolt cutters or something. Uh, but they're obviously saving Paul's interference for something big, which might be the Brock match. He's going to have to choose one. Uh, so, I mean, if that's their long-term booking goal, it makes sense that Paul isn't the reason. But it's also like the WWE rings don't just explode unless it's Mark Henry in the big show, which they explode. Uh, or didn't they do that with Braun in the big show too?
1: What, the Henry or the... Uh, the- the the fucking thing breaking up. Yeah, the ring collapsing and uh so the first one was Brock and Big Show, then it was Mark Henry and Big Show, and then Braun and Big Show. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Big Show's apparently if he goes to the goddamn top ropes for a superplex, <laughs> it's done. It's done.
0: So that that OG footage of like Paul White trying to cut a moonsault is the scariest thing of all time. Dude, he did some crazy shit at the beginning of his career. Uh, love him, love Paul White. In-
1: in so I, c- by the way, talking about a conversation, I can't find one fucking website that has the uh, the end of Finn Balor's contract, but I would like to know that very soon. Talk about someone who needs to get the fuck out of WWE. <laughs> uh.
0: yeah, maybe maybe someone that's had previous relationships with I don't know the elite in the Bullet Club, the
1: original leader.
0: The original
1: before AJ, before Kenny, there was Prince Devon. But, uh, and also he can wear makeup if he wants to without regulations from his boss and just wear it for the fuck of it. He doesn't have to have a goddamn reason or some stupid Irish demon background concept thrown in there from Mick... what does what, what uh, Matt
0: Hardy call him? Mick, McMahon? Or I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot as well, but I know exactly where you're talking. Broken Matt Hardy? Yes.
1: Yes. I really miss uh, Broken Matt Hardy because, you know, it's so funny. He became more broken afterwards. Uh,
0: Like, body-wise, I guess.
1: (laughs) I'm just talking about even just... He's got a wonderful faction of a bunch of people that no one gives a shit about. Uh...
0: What, are you what, what, what were there? There was something I was gonna say, and now I forgot. Uh, so I do that. God damn it! Now I can only think of broken Matt Hardy in dilapidated boats. <laughs> <laughs> it's it a back. dilapidated boat. He named it Scarsgard, dude. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, I was gonna. I, I remember what I was gonna say because it is really the Hardys how is jeff hardy's makeup not make him a demon (laughs) but Finn Balor's does do you think that like right after vince
1: like is telling like you know finn maybe in his office like you're gonna go back to the demon this time and you're gonna loot and like explain the whole thing like jeff hardy's like all right vince i got this idea for a new character it's called willow wisp I've done it before. It's like the, my angry side that I, I come out of. And he's like, get the hell out of here. You're Just put on the fucking makeup if you want to, but get out of the room.
0: So apparently yeah. that that was a rumor that's been roaming around is that he is going to do Willow in WWE. My wife is the one that brought it to my attention. I hadn't heard this, but apparently there are people out there whispering that maybe he will become Willow. Which Well, be... the
1: rumor that I initially heard about that was Jeff position the idea of him going against the fiend as willow wisp and they were thinking about that well one of those factors is not there anymore but maybe if they give a shit about jeff they would do that but then again how many weeks ago was it where he was running around for the 24-7 title against reggie (laughs) good call i would be down for willow hell yeah
0: I'd be down for that, coming out with the actually, umbrella and shit. Actually,
1: actually, I don't know if I trust Vince with Mystic characters anymore. I think I think that this, the juices have been sucked out of him from The Undertaker and Kane, and he cannot do that again, and now everyone is becoming, like, Boogeyman-ish.
0: <laughs> you're circa me 2018 on this podcast, basically. That's what you're getting at.
1: <laughs> basically, I felt like the <laughs> stupid shit they decided to do a lot with Finn Balor it was like Papa Shango-esque. It was great. I loved it.
0: I feel like what... Someone should sit Vince down and be like, not everyone is Mark Callas, dude. <laughs> like, not everyone is going to be able to make that work. Like... A lot we of all this believe, though. We well, all we believe because under, but believe. Undertaker is Undertaker. You know, like, not everyone is going to be able to get to the level Undertaker was. When Undertaker threw lightning from his hand, like Palpatine, you believe that shit, because Undertaker sold it, like, if you saw him in the streets, he would throw lightning at you. It's... Sometimes it's the wrestler. It's not... it. All the mystical stories and stuff they've tried to, to, to tell to try to do the Undertaker thing... The Undertaker is just the fucking Undertaker. <laughs> it's not...
1: Well, a you also know, you know what be... else it is? They shouldn't have given up on, Mal- on uh, um, oh man, I forgot what his name is. Alistair. No, no. Um, the one in all white, Kevin Thorne, but his older uh, fucking alias. He was undefeated for a while, then they just beat him out of nowhere, and you thought that they were beating him, or building him to go against Undertaker. He had like all white. He would come out. Creepy as shit looking.
0: I don't remember. I vaguely remember what you're talking about, but, I mean...
1: Then they turned him into a vampire, and he came out as Kevin Thorne in uh, ECW. But... Uh, yeah. I have to look this up now.
0: But, yeah, no. Any, anyways, what I was getting at is just, like, not everyone is Mark Callis. One of the no. greatest wrestlers of all time. So, maybe temper your expectations. Mordecai! Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Temper your expectations, man. Like, <laughs> Glenn Jacobs is another good example <laughs> of the reason Kane worked is because Glenn Jacobs is such a great wrestler. It's, I can't imagine the amount of pressure. It's like Undertaker, we're going to have you. And also, years and years of buildup of like Undertaker body like bodying motherfuckers and putting in them in body bags and caskets and like. The believability came from I don't know Undertaker tombstoning Hulk Hogan on a chair. It's like they forget that part. Like there's no the next WWE's like up, brother. They're mystical, you know. <laughs> like they, they don't understand the part that makes you care about the character. And, and like I said, Glenn Jacobs, Mark Callis, those are just great fucking wrestlers. I don't think it, that their gimmick will never be replicated. I think there's some cool stuff you can do with like malachi black and and people of that kind of story but i mean it's never going to be what wwe is trying to do where the music comes on and now the demon has another heartbeat and is flopping like a like oh. they don't understand <laughs> what made it work the first time which is baffling because like vince should just call taker yeah hey pal <laughs> on the phone and be like, is this a good idea? And I'm sure Tigger to be like, that sounds like a fucking terrible idea.
1: You know, here's a, here's another idea. If you want to, like, add to the mystery, the mystic aspect, I guess. Have Finn Beller, like they were doing, selling, he's on the ground. Roman gets up first, finally, goes to pick him up, and during that time period, Finn putting whatever the hell in his mouth, and he sprays him in the face with the fucking mist. And that's how he gets that final coup de grace before the rope gets cut. Just there's a million fucking things. It's it. And you know what? You talk about Kane. Kane had that red light thing on for a match the first fucking time he came out during the Hell in the Cell. That was it. So why the hell would you think this would work for full matches with the Fiend and also with this whole thing with this theme music for fucking Finn Balor? Just if if no one's gonna show a modern horror movie in the last 20 years of Vince. Just just be like, uh, maybe we don't do
0: that. I mean, you know what would make the demon seem scarier? I don't know. If Roman speared him through that barrier and he just set up like Undertaker. <laughs> this is what I'm getting at. Is Yeah. Like, there's only one. Un- or he did a nip up or something. Like it didn't affect him. Or just That'd rise be- like
1: he does in his uh, little entrance thing. The, uh, you know,
0: just got yeah. up yeah like it didn't affect him at all that's how you portray that character it works it, it works so well with the undertaker and part of that is just because a whole kogan no selling stuff and and how over that got so having the undertaker version of that where he would just sit up and shit was great it's very smart and ultimate warrior did one two he'd run wild etc sting used to do it in wcw actually kind of did it on he does it now, too, even if he goes to a table.
1: <laughs> okay, right, yeah. He'll get back up and Tarzan call real quick. Oh, but I love him. Like
0: that, I mean, that's how you get over a character that's supposed to be a demon, not like the music plays and he wakes back up and now there's a whole run. It's it's like Vince forgot how wrestling works. He, even, dude. even with his own characters. He created The Undertaker, and he's never been able to replicate it. Who's going to reach
1: dementia first, Joe Biden or Vince McMahon?
0: Uh, Next presidential presidential election.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. If those are the two guys fighting back and forth, how about we have that? The battle of the
0: older billionaires, I guess. I can't and wait for man. all the Vince McMahon ball memes when that
1: happens. <laughs> oh my god, here versus hair. Hey man, you you fucking suck. Um yeah, I Trump will, can I be will. the uh, special guest referee that gets and then Undertaker comes out and gives them all a tombstone. How about that?
0: Do you remember that time that Vince won a match against God via count out?
1: <laughs> How the fuck did Sean go for that? That's what I want to know. He was in that match with God being a very religious person at that point and tri- a and known atheist fucking Vince is like, all right, what we're going to do is you and your stupid God are going to be in one corner.
0: I'm like, all right. All we're right. going to go for that, I guess. Vince McMahon doing Vince McMahon-ass shit out here, turns out. All
1: right, oh. so let me ask you, did I hype it up too much with Monday Night Raw? Because what I basically told you was when I watched it, I didn't have a time period where I was looking at my clock because I was actually engaged with most of the program. And at the end, when the main event came on and I looked, I was like, oh, shit, it is the main event. That's not something that happens with me with Monday Night Raw. Usually I'm like, oh, my God, why am I watching this? Should I watch something else? I guess I'll fucking just watch it and deal with it. But it seemed like they had a pretty good pace to the show. And I like the entrance with the beginning with here's the match. Shit happens. Her Business is back together. Okay, I'm down for that. And we're also going to have a fucking steel cage match to actually finish this thing at the end of the goddamn. So I have a reason to watch it. And I thought the stuff in between was actually pretty good. Two weeks now. Monday Night Raw has not been terrible. This is a terrible way to fucking explain
0: <laughs> a television show. It's not bad. You know you know what makes it more terrible is there's about to be a shakeup Ugh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, terrifying. Um all right, S- some props to Extreme Rules. One thing they did very well is Bobby Lashley had a great promo. Yes. And so did Big E to yep. set up the match for Raw. And they're like right at excited. the beginning,
1: we're going to have a fucking match, bitch, is what Big E said. And it was like, "Oh, okay, right. Right at the beginning of Raw, we're starting the shit out."
0: Biggie's a fucking legend. This was a good episode of Raw. Um, I didn't watch it straight through like you did because I was like watching it as I was working. Because you're and stuff. smart. Well, no, I just have no faith on it being a good show. Like if you can. Well, give that's me what I'm connect-
1: saying. You're smart. You're like, I'm not gonna watch this shit live. I'll fucking watch it later if Dane said it's decent because his dumbass will fucking watch it.
0: I just record it and I watch it the next day and you tell me what's good and what's bad and then I can just skip the stuff that I know I'm gonna hate. (laughs) Yep. Um but no, this was a, a pretty good Raw and I had to restart it because you said basically what you just said, which is like kind of an easy watch. Which sounds very dumb unless you've watched the past like two and a half years of Raw and you'd be like, that is a long three hours. It's like the Godfather part three. Uh, (laughs) That's how I feel watching Raw on most days. But yeah, it was it's a good Raw, and I think a lot of that is just Big E. Like he's great. Also, Bobby Lashley. This version of Bobby Lashley is the best wrestler Bobby Lashley has ever been. Yep.
1: And I like the ending with Drew McIntyre coming out. Like is Drew now going to be a heel? Going against Big E, or how are they going to do that? Like I thought it was a pretty good spin, but. Like we keep on saying, tonight in a couple hours, SmackDown is going to start the draft, and that's going to go into next Monday, so we're not going to have a clear view of what's going to happen, per se, on the shows going forward until that's done. Also, like,
0: does someone have to draft Brock Lesnar?
1: I think he's just like, fucking, I can go wherever the fuck I want, bitch.
0: But, But they've drafted him before, and then Paul Heyman was like... You think Brock Lesnar cares about a draft? Brock Lesnar doesn't care clock, about Clock, 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 clock.
1: Yeah, that's. I love motherfucking Paul Heyman, the Walrus. But uh, yes, yeah, start of it, like we said, Biggie and Bobby Lashley were beating the fuck out of each other. It gets strangely interrupted by the, you know, resurgence of what looks like. Now, and I didn't know this because they didn't put it on television which if I'm going to give AEW shit for this, I'll give WWE. Apparently there was a video that WWE and also, um, oh damn it, uh, MVP promoted on Twitter that MVP basically was trying to court Shelton Benjamin and and Cedric Alexander to come back to the Hurt business. That would have been nice because it was very random, but I'm not going to have a problem with it, even if it's fucking random. I love the unit. If you're going to actually have them all together, I'm down for that. I thought the unit was good when they had it. I didn't understand why they broke it up or why they need to be. And this gives Cedric and Shelton, they're another good tag team, throwing the mix. So I had no problem with that. And like I said, I would have been pissed off if that was it. But then once uh, Adam Pearce came out with Sh- Sony Deville and was like, oh, this is not going to be the end of it. We're going to have this match at the end of the program in a steel cage to keep out all of you guys, including the New Day. I was like, okay, I'm down for that. So I liked the opening. I liked everything about it. Honestly, were you thrown off by the addition of, of adding Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander to the Hurt Business? Or are you like, okay, Hurt Business back together. I don't give a fuck.
0: The latter. Uh, the Hurt Business back together. I don't give a fuck. Why did they break him up to begin with? Because they lost the belts
1: that WWE storyline-wise made them lose the pay-per-view before him.
0: I mean, they had a very interesting idea for a story, which would have been tricking or convincing Xavier Woods to become part of the, the hurt business. Yeah. They were trying that for a while. And then they just forgot about it and then broke up the hurt business. And I was like, that's fine. I mean, you still get MVP and, and Lashley and that's cool. And MVP is like one of the best managers in the game right now. Uh, maybe the best outside of Paul Heyman. I don't know who 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 would you put as the best? I think MVP and Paul Heyman are probably in my top two right now. I guess you would have to put
1: top three, even though Don would be last out of the top. But it would be Don Callis, then MVP, then Paul Heyman to me at number one. Yeah,
0: Don Callis has been great too. It's just it's the
1: if it was he just Don silly.
0: Callis and Kenny Omega, it'd probably be fine. It's just once you start adding six to nine, sixty nine me Don, Sixty nine niners uh yeah no i i mean i like the hurt business being back together and maybe they will go back to that storyline of convincing xavier woods that he should i don't know maybe join the hurt business i like the hurt business i thought that was a really good gimmick and then like there's a lot of stuff weird about it like they wanted them to do a nation of domination thing which we talked about on this podcast and they never seem to know what they should be doing but on Twitter, there was like a – it was like, who would win in a shoot fight? And I think it was uh, Zach Ryder was responding. It was like, you were Shelton Benjamin. He's like Shelton. Yeah. <laughs> Which made me laugh really hard. Um, so I'm glad that Shelton Benjamin's getting used again. I agree. And, uh, um, yeah, so WWE, they have, real quick, Almost, let's just call it 12 million followers on Twitter. And they put these things on to promote their show. And like 2 million people watch. Maybe put the shit to promote your show on TV. so <laughs> Like, god damn, I'm so done with like
1: putting well, that things would make on sense. the
0: internet <laughs> to make people watch your TV show. That's not how it works. People that are on the internet are just going to watch it via the internet.
1: For free 95, bro. (sighs) What are we going to do? What are we going to do? All right, so I... Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Well, bro, that new RKO bro shirt with the, like, snake riding (laughs) on a scooter is one of the greatest merch of all time. I already (laughs) ordered one for myself. I
1: I just love how that (laughs) motherfucker has conversations like he is with Randy Orton. Brady's out for a little time, a little amount of time. Apparently it's um, just the reasoning sounds like he has fucking COVID, but where I, you know, he wasn't cleared to, to wrestle. So Matt Riddle basically did promos by himself. Like he was talking to, to, <laughs> to Randy Orton, <laughs> it still worked. It was still pretty fucking funny. So good job to Matt Riddle, man. I mean, I don't know how long he can hug being the goofy stoner, uh, but shit Rob Van Dam made a career out of it so
0: yeah that's they're going to have to eventually pull the trigger and have them have a run or it, it will wear out its welcome but it's it's great and also that shirt's amazing with the little goofy ass snake on a <laughs> scooter <laughs> I saw that on, I bought one so they got me on that but <laughs> the extreme roost rolls commercial <laughs> little snake on a scooter Dude, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's amazing. Might be the best wrestling shirt I've seen in a long ass time.
1: No, I I have to buy it now. Why are you making me spend money? So yeah, like I was gonna say though, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo are now on a tag team together. They beat Ali and Mustafa, or yeah, Mustafa Ali and um, God damn it, uh, Mansoor last week. So they're climbing the ranks, I guess. Um, I don't have a problem with it because these guys are cousins. They look like they're trying to do like a Eddie Chavo type of thing, even though technically Chavo was his nephew, but you get what I'm saying. Like he's a couple years older than him and the more cockier one, but, uh, Angel had a match against Eric and, um, it was fine. It was decent. And because of Creo's distraction, uh, Garza got the win with the wing clipper. Uh, it's fine. But I just, like like I said, like, you know, I, I feel like they are kind of doing a similar Eddie Chavo type of thing with the two of these or trying to. I just think that if you gave Angel Garza a push by himself, I know he's short, but who gives a fuck? I think that you can do a lot with him. You have someone that's naturally, charismatically very similar to Eddie Guerrero, in my opinion, and you don't have to try to force anything on him you, he can just do his own thing and have a similar flavor but ww doesn't want to do that and also another thing he's very fluent in english and that's been an issue i guess in the past with other wrestlers uh i just don't see what they're not seeing
0: i i have absolutely no idea but we've been talking about how good angel garza was and is since nxt yep like this is two years of them missing on this guy. They put him in a ta- random tag team with Andrade, then fired Selena Vega in Andrade, <laughs> and then had him do 205 Live. It's baffling to me. He's great. You're you're not wrong on that. He is fucking great. And eventually he will go somewhere where he'll where he'll be appreciated. Um, it's that time of the year where Mansoor shows up. Incredible athlete. I think he's very good in the ring personally. And I, I don't understand why, you know, if you're going to make this guy such a strong baby face in Saudi, why is he not a strong baby face all the time?
1: Yeah. Well, not only that, he's with Mustafa Ali, and Mustafa Ali is another guy It's like, when he's fucking done, he's going to do really well and be a great person somewhere else other than WWE.
0: Yeah, and, and that's kind of an interesting tag team, but they're not going to keep them together. That's the problem. Is like As soon as the Saudi show is done, we won't see Mansoor again. Probably won't see Mustafa Ali again either, uh, at least on the main roster, which is unfortunate because I think both those guys are great. Like This is a really good-ass match. Like you said, this is a very easy-to-watch Raw and because of this kind of stuff. I mean, I know there, there was a fuck finish, but... Some good in ring action here, as JR was saying. That's a good in ring action.
1: I like it. All right. So I'll admit, even though I thought it was really beneath Ricochet to go against Reggie for the 24 7 championship, I was thinking, I'm like, they get this title off of Reggie and they actually see something in him because he does unbelievable aerial stuff because of his background uh, in Cirque la. Soleil. If they were to have a tag team between the two of these guys and have Ricochet take him underneath his wing so he can show you show him how to apply some of that stuff in more of a wrestling style, because Ricochet can do a lot of that shit. They could have some fun stuff. And I at least thought we were gonna get a, a, a fun match with at least some cool spots, but it was abruptly stopped by you know R-Truth and and, and Drew Gulak and the whole entire fucking crew including Kira Tazawa and Reggie got out of there and then it was just all over. Um, and I felt bad for Ricochet again.
0: I don't think they're going to do this, but let me present you with an idea. We got hell in the cell coming up, right? Pay-per-view. Yeah. What if you do Ricochet versus Reginald, hell in a cell. So no one can get in the ring and you give them time to have a match. And Vince is like, Hey, go do that. Zack Sabre junior match that you had
1: if if they give ricochet enough time with this guy to put together a really decent match and be able to even they could climb up the fucking cell wall and jump back into the ring uh yeah you could have a really fucking crazy lucha match basically and uh it would be really like it could be on a highlight reel if 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 you give ricochet enough time to try to get reggie you know, fluent enough to make the rap match look good, uh, and use his aerial ability. Yeah, I think that he could produce a really good fucking match between the
0: two of them. And then also on top of that, you can have all the twenty four seven geeks. If you have to have them, you could have them fighting to try to get inside of the cage.
1: And you could kind of, since it's always been comedic, you could kind of have a comedic where like what they've been doing, where Drake Maverick is coming out trying to like get them to like bust in and they're trying a bunch of different shit and i'm sure our truth could sell it like you know do you guys have anything and our truth brings out like a fucking toy hammer and you know you make you could add like that little comedy aspect <laughs> while crazy shit's going on inside the ring they ne- they're never going to do it but it would actually be pretty interesting if you try to start off hell in the cell with that as the first match with the with the cell yeah i think that'd be actually a lot of fun like you said never gonna fucking happen
0: yeah, it's no, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but... That's why I
1: suggested a tag team between the two of them. Because then Ricochet could, like, really help out Reggie using his abilities in ring to see if there's actually anything in this guy past the fucking 24-7 title. But I don't even think they're worried about it. I'm sure Bruce Pritchard loves Reggie because he can flip
0: real high or some shit. Yeah, I mean, we just booked a better opener than whatever is going to happen at Hell in the Cell, so... <laughs> it's. Like, all Reggie would have to do is watch a Prince Puma Moxley match, or not Moxley, but Jim uh, Morrison match, and be like, hey, can we do that, but in a cell, and then we can have these goofs turn around? That's, that's basically it. And it makes a lot of sense with a 24-7 title, because it would be, like, one of the few matches that is specific to that title as a match. I think that r had, like, one or two on SmackDown. Where everyone was banned.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I uh, we'll see more of this, but it might have just been this. That's the whole point of it. That's the only uh, problem, if you will. But uh, next match, since Akira Dozawa is chilling in the ring and he wouldn't leave in protest, uh, they sent out a bear cat, if you will, Chris Keith Lee. Came out, just looked like the Terminator, no expression on his face except for anger. He just came in there and just destroyed Akira Tozawa and uh, won. And, I mean, this is a a huge deal in his career. Not only did he beat Akira Tozawa in two minutes, uh, he's now called Bearcat. What the fuck is a Bearcat? I know this is an old alias with other wrestlers in the past, but still.
0: I, I don't know, but I hated it. It's Keith Lee. Why does he need to be known as the Bearcat? He is the man that won both titles in NXT. Talk about that.
1: You know what uh, Cornette compared to this to? Is when Vader came into WWE and he's like, He's my Mastodon! And Jim Cornette apparently had to beg Vince to still call him Big Van Vader or Vader- because he wanted to change his name completely to the Mastodon,
0: which would be lit. But WWE didn't use the the gimmick they used to have—the big mask <laughs> he came down to the ring with. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I have no idea what they're doing with Keith Lee, and we've been talking about this for months. And I, I think a lot of that goes back to what what I said like four, almost four months ago with the copyright stuff. They're punishing this guy trying to take his name. And uh, this is where Keith Lee is at, I guess. He's the Bearcat now. <laughs> so dumb. Did you think men bear pig when they said Bearcat? Because I did. <laughs> he's the yep. bear pig. Uh, Bearcat. I mean, I get it. Like, he's a big guy that's athletic and can jump around. But, like, bears are kind of athletic anyways. <laughs> you know? They- <laughs> Don't they run it like thirty miles an hour <laughs> or something ridiculous? Well, I mean, next they're time not. See as, a bear. I'll ask them. They're not as agile as a cat. I get that <laughs> as far as being able to leap, I guess. But I don't know the 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 whole bear cat. It's Keith Lee. Was it what was his uh whole thing before this? It was like base Keith Lee? Um, oh um uh
1: fuck what the hell was it uh. What was he called? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> why actually, what? Why? It's not the Infinity. It's... Um...
0: God damn it. I mean, because he's basically Goku. His fucking finisher is called the Spirit Bomb. Uh, But, like, no, he had a whole gimmick. I Limitless. A... Limitless. Yeah, that's such a better thing to roll with. I mean, I guess it is close to EST. You know, if you're doing a similar gimmick, but... Who gives a fuck? His fucking finisher is called the Spirit Bomb. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Jesus Christ, how do you fuck Keith Lee up? It seems impossible. You had him win both titles of your... (laughs) (laughs) He was a goddamn dual champion. Dane. dual ass champion. It's well, exactly he was a dual like...
1: champion in that other thing, NXT. That's not real.
0: Oh, I forgot. They also stripped those title victories away from Charlotte. So, oh, yeah, it's remember, not
1: real... The Demon is undefeated, even though Samoa Joe beat him in NXT. Remember that.
0: Uh, No, he just beat Norma, Normal Finn for the title. No, he, he, he beat the Demon. He definitely did. Did he? Is that the one where he came out? Was that the Jack the Ripper or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, I believe in England. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe he did. I do remember this. I, I definitely remember the match. Well, you know, yeah.
1: Charlotte would be tied with her dad right now, but they don't count her two title wins in NXT. But, whatever. <laughs> yeah, randomly
0: stopped counting them.
1: <laughs> they count her fucking Diva championship title reign.
0: Uh, they randomly stopped counting it because two years ago, they definitely were including those numbers. Also, it's such a weird thing to, unless you're like John Cena and you've been there for 30 years or whatever, it is a weird kind of thing because that just means that you've lost the belt 16 times. Ugh. You know, like, that means you also lost 16 times. So, unless you look at it as a stretch of a career, like, would you rather be Terry Funk, who's, like, a two-time NWA champion, but held the some bitch for, like, two years each time? Or would you rather be a 16-time <laughs> champion like Ric Flair is dropping it, like, every other week? That's always been a weird thing to me. Maybe it's just a me thing, though.
1: I don't know. I think it's uh, everyone who has sensibility. Um Damian Priest and Sheamus. Now, I don't know why Sheamus gets a fucking U.S. title shot the night after he loses. And I don't know why both these guys had to do this match the night after the match they have with Jeff Hardy included. But, I mean, this is probably the last time we're going to see these two dance partners. And they beat the living fuck out of each other. So this match, technically a triple threat was Extreme Rules because that's how triple threats are in the But this one was officially an Extreme Rules. And... I mean, they've wore each other out with fucking kendo sticks. The punches look so stiff between the two of them. You can tell there's a lot of comfort comfortability between the two. Um, and, like, a, Sheamus is going to make it look like a fucking fight. That's, that's just how he is. But, yeah, the uh, Archer Infamy sent uh, Sheamus through a table that was set up in the corner before he hit his finisher for the win. Uh, there was a nasty spot where a chair was wedged in the corner. And, uh, Seamus hit fucking Damian Priest with Alabama Slam. That, that was fucking, it just, kudos to these guys for putting this much more miles on their body the day after that, that triple threat.
0: Just a reminder for anyone out there listening, Seamus has spinal stenosis.
1: <laughs> Never be able to notice what the
0: fucking pace he's going. Yeah, he gives zero fucks. Uh, this was my favorite match of the entire show. And I want to see these guys do more stuff together. And I couldn't think of Damien Priest's name, so I kept calling him Punishment Martinez.
1: Punishment <laughs> as Martinez. Wife,
0: as my wife was watching it with me, I, was, I just kept calling him Punish Mar- Punishment Martinez. But yeah, no. Damien Priest, man. There's something there. What do you think they have to do to get him to the next level? Because, I mean... They booked him really strong. He hasn't lost a singles match. He's... A, I think... He, he's undefeated.
1: I think he's charismatic, and I think he has a lot of... Um, I think he has a lot of charisma, but I think still, even though he has a lot of natural charisma, his personality... At least compared to NXT, where he was so cool, and they would have him, like, right after fucking matches, jumping in hot tubs with a bunch of girls and shit... It's just not at that same level. You can tell that not as much as, say, it's hampering um, a Rhea Ripley or a, Big, or a Big E or, or uh, we're going to talk about him in a second, Carrying Cross, It just seems like he's not allowed to be as natural as he once was. For me, at least.
0: Yeah, I could, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, is the decks match him and Big E then? Because they're put, I mean, they're put. They're obviously pushing the guy. Like I said, he hasn't lost a singles match. He's undefeated. That's like unheard of in WWE.
1: Yeah, I don't I, know.
0: I, I will say I didn't mention this on the pay per view, but uh, Jeff Hardy at the end of the match shaking his hand and doing the Damian Priest arrow shot was really, really funny and kind of a good moment for two baby faces. well she, Sheamus gender.
1: like all like pouty just like stormed off that was pretty good
0: yeah it was pretty good it was a good jeff hardy that see that's another reason why i think they're going to try to push this guy i just don't know like what is the next level for damian priest and how you get there is that's the hard part right it can't just be like he's got a team with bad bunny again
1: no i would say he could, We could be looking at him against someone at WrestleMania for the uh, WWE Championship, the the World Heavyweight, the Raw title, if you will. But to me, it's not going to be as interesting if you have two baby faces with Damian Big E. Someone's Some heel has to take that off of Big E, while Damian has a U.S. title, keeps it for a little while. And then maybe he approaches him or wins a World Rumble uh, to go against whoever that heel is after the draft. It's a lot of what ifs in the scenario to make it Damian versus that person for that title for Raw at WrestleMania.
0: Damian Priest is definitely the best new star on Raw, right? Without a, without a doubt. Yeah,
1: even more so than Riddle, I would say.
0: Okay, and I I love Matt Riddle and I love RK Bro and I think they've been doing, but really, i really mean, good. But that's Damian Priest. Just, it's Orton. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Damian Priest doesn't have someone that he can fucking hang off of. You know, even though Matt Riddle is giving us a lot more mic work, charisma and building up his personality, it's still at a detriment to him that he's on the coattails of of Randy Orton, I would say. It's holding him back a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, until they break that up at like rumble headed into Mania, which would be that's going to be a really good match when they finally do that with Riddle and Orton. Yep, especially with them working together as long as they have at this point. Uh, That's going to be a fucking bigger of match, but yeah, I don't know, man. When you look at that roster, Damian Priest is kind of the new guy, like the guy to me. Which sounds crazy, but
1: I mean. Well, the one thing he has going against him, and I I, I noticed this not too long ago. uh, Do you know how old Damian Priest is?
0: I want to say he's in his 30s. He's in his 30s, but he's 39. Okay, yeah, because, I mean, he was in Ring of Honor. Like, he's been around for a while. Yep. Yeah, he worked in New Japan as well, I believe. I think in New Japan he went by Punisher Martinez, which is a fucking dope name, by the way. You should switch back to that. <laughs> But yeah, like I've been watching this guy for. I'm not surprised he's 39, but I mean, dude's like six foot five, two sixty or something. Like he's always gonna have a career in the WWE if they want him there. They, what they're saying, what they're saying is they're not gonna hire little guys anymore. Basically, that's what I read out of that thing that we talked about either last week or the week before with the NXT shit and not hiring old indie guys. They're just not going to hire little guys.
1: Yeah, that that could be the position of it for sure. I don't know. Well, we had a three-on-three match. Uh, Jeff Hardy tagged with Mustafa Ali and Mansoor to go against Jinder Mahal, Vier and Shanky. I mean, I don't really care too much about it. The match wasn't that bad at all, but. Um, they, I mean, Ali took the fucking pin. Uh, from Veer, taking him out. I just have to say, just visually. Veer is the, the uh, baseball player that the movie, um, and I think they kind of mentioned it, the one with John Hamm, uh, what is it, a Million Dollar Arm? Uh, so even though they have him doing the stereotypical fucking concept, he is an athlete. He is known. They could play off of that if they ever wanted to position him as a baby face, but they have him doing this shit. And Shanky is literally seven one. He's huge. Now his voice, not as much as his fucking size. Very, uh, little style voice as I did with the promo beforehand. I'm just saying. You know, you're trying to find people, and Shanky, I think I've seen, get he's got his ass kicked by everyone and their grandmother, and uh, he's like two inches shorter than Omos, but uh, I guess this was fine, I don't know, I mean, this is kind of a lull period throughout Raw, Raw's three hours, it's gonna have fucking lull periods, even if it's a decent show.
0: I, I'm just going to agree with you on this one and say it was fine. <laughs> it was a lull period of the show. All right.
1: Karen Cross came out and destroyed uh, Jackson Riker. I like the promo right beforehand. But what followed was the same entrance with the same stupid helmet and cheap ass fucking ring gear. And then he destroyed Jackson Riker and good because Jackson Riker's just a douchebag. That's all I got.
0: Didn't he say something about Marines or something in his promo? I'm trying to remember. I, I remember Carrying Cross's promo being pretty good, but then he still looks like, you know, an outcast from a
1: nation <laughs> fighting disaster with a militia.
0: <laughs> I I remember carrying cross's promo being pretty good here, and that it he was fine in the match, except for everything that we've bitched about so many times which is just that was given to him like why would you look at that guy and be like you know what's great mad Max? like once again Dude, former NXT champion <laughs> and also where is scarlet that's a good question
1: I don't know maybe we'll find out one day what the fuck happened to Scott Bardo. ah uh, Riddle and AJ Styles had an awesome match. Once again, I could see these two guys having a match together whenever. Um, but I like the fact that since Riddle kind of got a little bit too cocky and he didn't have Randy Orton there to save him, AJ Styles got the win. Um I like my whole thing though is like when how long is the uh the attention and the combination of the tag team of AJ Styles and Almas gonna be going on because I feel like I don't know what Almas is gonna be doing if AJ's not around, but I just feel like AJ could be doing some solo stuff by himself. I guess we'll have to wait until after the draft to find out. But uh, yeah, these guys have really good chemistry. But they, I, I have seen this match a bunch of times, but. You know, it is, it's It's kind of like Orton and fucking AJ. Whenever they have a match, they usually have a banger as well, so.
0: Yeah, we've seen this match a lot, but it was a really good match. And uh, I don't know, maybe AJ is just like, that's the only guy I want to work with <laughs> or something. Like, I have no idea. Because we have seen this match a ton. And they they have a really good one, but I kind of wish it was broken up from the tag teams. Yeah. You know, like, give them, like, an actual 18-minute match. It'd, it'd probably be really, really good. Because we're talking about good matches, but normally they're, like, what, five to ten minutes at max? Could you imagine if you gave them a long-format match? Seriously. Um, but, yeah, like... it. I really, really like what they're doing with Riddle and uh, Orton. And maybe that is the, that's the first match. And then Orton goes after AJ. You, at some point you're going to have to push AJ. I'm assuming maybe that, like you were talking about, basically the draft is how you split up him and Omos. but that just sucks for Omos, though. Yeah. Or do you think they're, or do you think they're going to give him the match with AJ? Like the, I mean, not to, we've talked about this so many times, Where they're, they're going to do the Shawn Michaels diesel thing.
1: God, so many people have that problem though right now. It's like the heavy and the, the heater, if you will, with the smaller person. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's got to happen at some point now. Are they going to really have AJ stay with Almas all the way to fucking WrestleMania to break them up to go against two of them? I mean, it's possible. I just feel like I like Omas. I think he is—he's got a hell of a lot of charisma. Like his facial expressions are great, and for his size, man, he's doing what he can inside the ring. He's not as egregious as some people that have been, you know, as tall as him. Um, you know, John Gonzalez and and uh me call it a uh, great colleague come to mind. Where I don't think he's uncoordinated as those motherfuckers, but same time. The fact that he's been in tag teams has been beneficial for him, not to expose him too much. And I just think that, like, at some point, I don't give a fuck what title it's for. You want to see AJ Styles having AJ Styles matches, and the ones he's been having with Orton and Matt Riddle have been great, but they're associated with this tag team. So, like I said, I'd, I'd rather have him. I'd rather have him as the fucking IC champion by himself, dominating with that thing, than. What, you know, than what he's doing right now, honestly. He's basically Omas's keeper.
0: Is AJ kind of a black horse for winning the Royal Rumble? That could be.
1: Yeah. I mean, you put AJ Styles against someone at, at WrestleMania, it's gonna be a good fucking program. So actually if AJ beats Big E, I I could see that happening. And then Damian Priest versus AJ Styles for the fucking title at WrestleMania? Maybe he's that heel.
0: The the only reason I said that is the, for me, if you want to get out of this without doing the diesel, Shawn Michaels breakup would be that AJ eliminates Omos after he takes out like 12 guys at the rumble. And then you can still do that little feud, but at least sets it up in a way that would make sense. I guess. I, I just don't know what they're doing with them. And, uh, I mean, I feel like Orton versus Riddle is going to be a thing at Mania. Could be.
1: For sure. I want to see that match. I really do. I think that's a good progression for the storyline itself. All right, next we had uh, Charlotte Flair. She's going to be doing open challenges every Monday now. And Dewdrop came out. And I hate the little fucking dance thing she's told to do. I hate her music. And her name, uh, I just want Piper Niven, but whatever. Uh, she was having a good back-and-forth match with uh, Charlotte. Charlotte tried to body slam her, and she couldn't do it. And honestly, it looked like she was kind of pissing off Charlotte and getting the better of her a little bit, at least mentally. And then Eve Marie's fucking music hit, and Drop got uh, distracted. One, two, three, Charlotte wins, and then Drop beat the living fuck out of Eve Marie. I don't I don't care about any of that type of shit honestly. Keep Charlotte's champion. Eve Marie is a really good heat magnet. She's not good in the ring obviously. So why not have her as the valet really building up a tag team or something? I have no idea what the hell this is going to help her at all and do drop. I mean, if you really want to like I don't know at this point like put her in a fucking tag team with Nikki Ash and make them super babyface. I, I don't care. I just feel bad because she was so aggressive and dominant as Piper Niven in NXT UK that this whole entire shtick she's been told and forced to do is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, for her size, she's fucking really athletic and she can put on great matches uh, like I've seen her do against Kylie Ray and fucking Tony Storm and shit. So just uh, just kind of annoying.
0: Yeah, I think we're on the same page with Dewdrop and what they're doing. My prob more of my problem with this is the fact that you just had Charlotte murder a woman and then murder her doll and then murder her again <laughs> and leave her foaming at the mouth. And the follow up was a open challenge dewdrop match with Eva Marie. <laughs> think about that. That was the follow up. Where's Asuka?
1: She's coming back from her break. She had um, some type of minor
0: injury. They were letting her uh,
1: get sorted. I forgot what it was. might have been a wrist injury.
0: But she's going to be coming back soon, apparently. Or she probably just needed a mental break from the kind of bullshit they book on this show. Uh, One of of the two. Uh, I don't know, man. Oh, by the way, do you
1: know how she just turned 40? Oscar. Oscar. Holy hell, man.
0: Her YouTube's amazing, by the way. Everyone, go check out Oscar on YouTube. It's the best. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same with with you on the Piper Niven stuff. I don't. I, I know that she went by Dewdrop before, in the Indies. It's just. I'm trying to think of the female wrestler from the '80s. Was it Bertha? Who is was a ex women's champion? Yeah, Bertha Faye. I feel like they're trying to make her that. <sighs> Why? Which is, kind of, which is kind of fucked up, you know? Like Rhonda oh. Singh is her. What is her real name? I, I maybe it was Bertha Faye. Is that was that? Is that the name? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, don't they? They, they almost like dress her that way. Also, it's I don't know. Piper Niven was a way better gimmick, and uh, she's a great wrestler. This match was fine for what it was, minus the fuck minute. No one cares about Eva. Like you said, Like no one wants to see that match. So they could have just had Charlotte and her have a good match and leave it at that, but, you know, whatever. What's next for Charlotte? I mean, I guess she's going to get drafted. Is she flipping to SmackDown? I'm not sure flip the man and uh Charlotte to freshen up the roster a little bit.
1: You know, it doesn't work out because of what just happened with Sasha and um and Becky at the last pay-per-view, but someone brought up the fact that technically, I know Bailey's injured, but previously before, this is the first time ever the four horsewomen have all been healed. You would think that they would try to in storyline maybe place them all together eventually as one unit between both brands trying to take all the fucking titles actually not just the four horse woman as a concept that kept them together you know non-kayfabe and nxt but like actually try it and apply it as a faction within wwe since all of them are heel right now at the same time
0: and and i kind of alluded to this earlier Within that same concept with the four horsewomen and them all being heel, isn't it the perfect time to bring back a really baby face Bailey? Like, if she's ready yeah. to go, say, Royal Rumble, she wins the Rumble.
1: Like, if you want to do the, the kind of not the opposite, but like, you know, if Bailey comes back and disrupts that, yeah, I mean, you can. It just seems like you could also bring her back as a heel put all four of them together and we're going to take the tag champion chip. We're going to go for the two titles. We're going to have all the fucking titles and all the women's division period. It's an interesting prospect, but if you have Bailey come back as a babyface, that could be the anti-concept. It makes also sense since all the other three of them are heels at at the same time.
0: And I mean, the show is going to be built around, within good reason around these females and they need a good baby face and they haven't done anything with Tony storm Ugh. really of note, like who, who's, who are you going to position against them? That's the problem. I guess you could repackage Naomi and bring her up, bring her back. I should say not up. Cause she's never really left the main roster, but you get what I'm saying? Like Oscar versus four people, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll have to uh, stay tuned to the draft. Chris, when we get done with this podcast, we're going to be able to find out stuff that's going to be fucking crazy uh, for WWE because I'm sure they're going to do some stupid shit uh, with this whole draft thing. So, fun stuff.
0: We didn't get to talk about this last week, but uh, maybe this was this week's Raw. Shayna Baszler and Nia was. It that was the Nia week beforehand. Off. Yeah.
1: Um, and I like that that Shayna's like this now, because right afterwards, what I was going to get into, Shayna came out and fucking just destroyed Eva and smashed her arm like she did last year or the week before with um, uh, her tag partner, uh, Nia Jax. And they're keeping Nia Jax off television to sell that. So are they turning Shayna Baszler finally into NXT Shayna Baszler?
0: monster heel shana i hope so also do you think it's a punishment of naya for the charlotte stuff because that's kind of how i take it i hope so i mean that's kind of how i took it maybe i'm reading too much into it but uh she maybe did get we're just off haters TV. she did get written off tv pretty quickly after that incident happened yeah the next
1: week she lost to fucking charlotte which we all thought that was being a built storyline and then gets taken out by her fucking partner and crippled and taken
0: off television. Possibly. Yeah, the, like I said, the only reason they bring up Sh- uh, Shayna is like the only legitimate threat to the, the four horse women. Maybe outside of Bianca. Yeah. So it's right, weird. So-
1: so, the main event, Big E versus Bobby Lashley in a cage match. And Bobby Lashley started this match before the fucking thing even started, just came up, knocked Big E back behind, ran him into like the barricade, steel steps, just beating the shit out of him. And then, commercial break, when we come back, they finally got them in the ring. I mean, this was good because, all right, there was obviously some type of interference because when Big E was trying to climb out, Benjamin Alexander came out. But then when that, when the opposite happened, uh, we had you know um, Kofi and and um, Xavier come out to help out and take out Bobby Lashley. But I mean it just Almighty went for a spine buster and tried to climb out, but Biggie was able to get up and follow him. They fought on the top rope until the powerhouse of the New Day, who tried this before in the beginning of the match, but was taken out by. Uh, I like how they set that up by Bobby Lashley. He did the uh, big ending off the top rope for the win. And like I said earlier, Drew McIntyre came out while the, while the uh, new day was celebrating and just was at the top of his stage and pointed his sword as a champion to indi- uh, indicate that he won a title shot. How'd you like the match? Um, how'd you like that biggie basically got a very strong win with that top rope, big ending? And how do you like Drew McIntyre coming into the fold? Do you think Drew McIntyre is going to go back to being a
0: heel? Oh, all right. Um, this, so I really did like this match specifically the ending where, um, Lashley had the wrist lock. Or no biggie had the wrist lock on, uh, Lashley and kept dragging him away from the door. I thought that was kind of cool. And, and, and a cool segment with two big guys. Uh, a fan of Big E winning here, and I guess they are setting up McIntyre versus Big E for how long? I don't know, but I, I like the idea of Drew McIntyre being a heel. I just think he's better as a heel than you know trying to cut people up with a sword. <laughs> what they were doing previously. So, uh, how how did you feel about this one, man? Like what? Like are you cool with Drew McIntyre being a heel? Is that where you want him to be? And also, we have to keep in mind the draft. Would you rather see these guys split up, or do you are are you excited about a biggie McIntyre feud?
1: I'm fine with it. I mean, I don't think you have a lot for Drew to do right now. I guess it's a baby face, so it's like they just go back to the well. I think Drew's actually a really good baby face. I think he did a lot of good work during the Covid year. But unfortunately, very much like Moxley and AEW, just wasn't able to be able to get a lot of gratification because there was no fucking audience. So I think that hindered him a bit. But I previous thought that he was a better babyface than heel. Um, He's an intense heel. He's fine. But it comes off more as like a Scottish Triple H than anything. And I I liked him as a baby face, so I don't think they're going to do baby versus baby. So I think this is Drew positioning himself as a heel. And I think they're going to stick on the same platform to have that storyline continue. Unless Finn's a fucking idiot, which, well, who knows? Um, But, yeah, I think we're going to get heel Drew McIntyre versus Big E. And, you know, I'm indifferent, I guess is the best word for it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Is indifferent to the situation. Um Do you feel kind of bad for Bobby Lashley here? I know they gave him the hurt business again, but he just took two losses in a row clean to Big E, so he's going to fall out of this title picture. Especially if they're giving a, if they're going to give us Drew McIntyre versus Big E, which I'm assuming that's where they're going. Uh what do you do with Lashley? Like where do you put him on the card?
1: Keep him still as a main threat. Maybe make him go with the rest of the hurt business SmackDown to change it up a little bit. Obviously he's not gonna have any uh, win against Froman in that circumstance, but maybe they can build him with the Hurt business and keep that as like a a unit. Maybe go for the IC belt or whatever to like, you know, and them go for the tag Belt. Do something with him, keep him as a strong member. This is the thing though. Don't break up the fucking hurt business. Now that you have them together, keep them together. There's no reason to break them up. They're a really good unit, and they kind of bring out a lot of camaraderie between Bobby Lashley, Shelton, Cedric, and MVP. So that's what I would do, I guess.
0: I think that's a great idea, Hurt Business versus The Bloodline.
1: Yeah, you could even position them as babyface if you wanted to, as like these cool badass dudes. You know, change it up a little bit.
0: I mean, because everything is going to be, I mean, if if you're not getting the Rock for Mania, then maybe that, maybe you do do Brock versus Lashley or, I mean, there's so many matches that you're going to be able to have with Roman anyways, right? So like Hurt Business versus the Bloodline, I'm down for that. That's probably what they're going to do. And And also the idea of
1: MVP versus Paul Heyman, think about that concept. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> In the ring or promo? No,
1: <laughs> promo wise. I don't want to see the fucking walrus go against
0: MVP. I do kind of want to see Paul Eamon sell again after watching Rock versus uh, Brock Lesnar <laughs> title match. Not that long ago, <laughs> where the Rock puts Paul through the fucking table. <laughs> yeah. He... <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Oh, no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I didn't think about that, but yeah, Bloodline versus Hurt Business, that's that's pretty good. Yep. I wonder, I mean, I think
1: he has one more match technically on his contract after the Bobby Lashley one that they obviously set up with Goldberg. Who, by the way, you can say what you want. I don't know how the fuck this works out. It, 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 it's not like Goldberg had great matches when he was younger, but... He did some pretty cool athletic stuff he used to do at the beginning of it, that backflip into the spear that they probably told him, like, what the fuck are you doing that? Don't do that because you don't need to. But Goldberg's promos were terrible. But in the last, like, five years, the best thing about Goldberg has been his promos. So that one where he basically said he was going to fucking shoot Bobby. What the hell is with all these guns references? He's going to kill fucking Bobby Lashley. Arn Anderson's going to fucking shoot someone.
0: What is going on, Chris? <laughs> I have no idea. But this, this goes back to me being like, Bobby Lash- Lashley should have been like, yeah, fuck your kids. As that is just to making MVP a... apologize about it.
1: So we're getting Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg in Saudi Arabia is what I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, and, and Goldberg is going to win that match. Oh, don't
1: say that. If that does happen, though, the only reason I think that does happen is so that Goldberg can have a match with Big E because I'm assuming Big E wants that fucking match because he's wanted that fucking match for a long time to beat Goldberg. If that happens, that's the last match for Goldberg's contract. Let's just keep it that way. Let Big E get the last fucking win over Goldberg, period. I mean, if that's Survivor Series.
0: I mean, if that's what they're going to go with, like, you know, Big E, he beat Bobby Lashley twice in a row or three times, technically. And then you're going to do Lashley versus Goldberg, and Goldberg beats Bobby. And then that kind of sets up what the main event for Raw is going to be for a while, unless we have some weird stuff happen in the draft. But it's going to be Biggie, Lashley, Goldberg, and McIntyre. I mean, that makes and sense.
1: Three McIntyre. So I guess Biggie would have to beat McIntyre and then set up either at Survivor Series or maybe push it to Rumble. Where Goldberg has his last match on his contract against Big E, and puts over Big E.
0: So not do anything else besides that. But does that mean that Goldberg is going to win at Rumble to set up a that? Yeah. Because I,
1: like I said, he's got he's got the match against Lashley, and then just one more on his contract. So technically, you can have the match against Lashley at Saudi Arabia, and then maybe either at Survivor Series, like I said, or if they want to keep Goldberg off until Rumble. With Biggie, Biggie beats him. Goldberg goes away and you know teaches his son Gage Goldberg how to fucking wrestle, I guess.
0: Who's a better wrestler? <laughs> Goldberg's kid or Taz's kid? Hey man, the- I
1: I don't want to fuck with Hook. I, I feel like <laughs> eventually he'll do something. Oh uh,
0: man. Should we move uh, on to Dynamite? I, I guess we should, but I'm I kind of want the Big E Goldberg match just for Big E because I know he said that was his dream match so hopefully that happens I mean I don't yeah. want to watch a Goldberg match but you know <laughs> I, I I love Big E so it, out of respect for Big E <laughs> let's give him the fucking match yeah big men slapping meat
1: <laughs> All right let's start off uh, dynamite I thought this was a great match off the back, and I do have one issue with it. That's okay. You can have issues with stuff that you like. Jungle Boy, Adam Cole. CM Punk joined Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone this week, um, which he did something that <sighs> Chris Jericho seems to not be able to do. CM Punk will shut the fuck up for like a good period of time and come in when it's necessary. Right. Like, if he wants to put over a certain aspect of a wrestler or tell a certain something that he heard about a said wrestler um, and not just make weird noises and scream the whole entire fucking time. But, you know, I digress. Jungle Boy, Adam Cole, had a damn good match. Um, wow. Like, my boss was so impressed by that, that Rey Mysterio spot, basically, where he ran, ran off the apron, gave him the Hurricane Rana. Now, this is the issue that I had with that. I wish they would have sold it a little bit longer. Kind of extended the 10 count. Had it really been a devastating thing for both of them, especially Adam Cole. Because I feel like they got the fuck up and they went back inside the ring. And that was the only, like, really a minor thing. Uh, But these guys had great chemistry. I know Adam Cole wanted to work with him. He talked about it. Um, But yeah, just... um, I also would not have had... Jungle Boy kick out of the uh, Panama Sunrise. I think that that I know that he likes to do the. I forgot what the hell he calls. it. It's not the last shot now, because now the last shot's what it used to be is like his his version of the. Um, oh, where he puts uh, the neck breaker or the. Uh, this is really good television. I can't remember what the hell is it called. Um should but makes go drive it like Brain Buster style into his knee. That's what it used to be called. So that's what it is. Now he calls his version of the kick to the back of the head or the knee to the back of the head something else, and I can't remember exactly what it was. But to me, what I was trying to say is Pama Sunrise should be the last thing. I also like that Cole used the, uh, the Sweet Chim music the week before. I don't know if Sean was like, hey, man, you can't do that. But if he can get away with doing that, I love that little nod. And He's someone I have no problem doing the, the tune-up to the band, if you will. But, um, oh, that's what he calls it. He calls it the boom. That's that's what it is. But uh, he went for the boom. But Jungle Boy ducked and applied the snare trap. Cole escaped, delivered a cheap low blow and finally got the boom to get the win for the victory. And like I said, other than a little bit of lack of selling off of that really cool spot with the Hurricane Ronit to the outside. I thought this was an excellent match. These guys have great chemistry. I'd love to see them in a full long term program uh, sometime in the future. What do you
0: think, Chris? Agree with you. Excellent match. There's uh, kind of what you were saying about the Hurricane Rada, I, I agree with you. Um, the spot I love is if you're going to do a weird kind of fuck finish in AEW, the way Adam Page took the ref for the low blow and like accidentally like bumped up and basically hugged him while giving a low blow. Was really great, and the follow-up to this made me realize that Adam Page is a bigger star than anyone else in that fucking group. <laughs> Adam Cole. Adam Cole. Why well, did I didn't say Adam yeah. Page? Sorry. Uh, I, it's not gonna Adam be hard, Cole. man. Yeah.
1: It, Hopefully, we don't have to have a mat or a program between Adam Page and Adam Cole anytime soon, because I'll be really confused and fucked on trying to call that match. All right. Well, edit
0: everything I just said. Adam. Adam Cole, baby. Uh, the one I I don't know how this helps Jungle Boy though because the crowd were super into Adam Cole. <laughs> it's well, came out. it seemed like it was
1: kind of like half and half because it was cool that they were trying to get him to come back by doing his theme music song halfway through it. That was kind of like organic and neat. But yeah, Adam Cole is so fucking over.
0: I think Cole did a good job of being the heel in that match too, like wrestling wise to get the fans behind jungle boy. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like he was almost, he almost started in a grave and had to dig his way out kind of thing because the fans were super into him. And then when he cut the promo afterwards, it's just like, I love Kenny Omega. I think Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers in the entire world, but it was like Adam Cole was standing in a a ring with a bunch of geeks.
1: (laughs) Uh, the super click. Oy, oy, oy. I called the super clit. Uh, anyways. Um, yeah. And then, like you said, all of them were in the ring afterwards. Bucks came out. Kenny came out. The whole entourage, Don Callis. And they were kind of running down everything. And then uh, Mr. Dan O'Brien came out. And he was talking shit. Basically, Kenny mentioned the fact that he wasn't going to let Dan O'Brien have another match against him for the title or not, that cued Daniel Bryan's music, and he basically, you know, start... What the hell was the chant that he started for Kenny? God damn it, I can't remember, but... It wasn't a piece of shit like he did beforehand, but it was like calling Kenny, him, no, Kenny no Balls? Kenny No Balls, which, if you don't have that on Pro Wrestling Tees, uh Daniel Bryan, I would definitely be... Or Brian Danielson, I should say. I'd be definitely putting that one on there. Uh, but yeah, try to, they're, it, Kenny was trying to goat them to come or Dan O'Brien to come to fight them. And he called out uh, the assistance of Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, Frank Kazarian, Jungle Boy, and uh, Marco Stunt. And they kind of had like a little bit of a fight, but that was about it. But I like, I, I we're going to get another rematch between Danielson and Omega. But this kind of kept it. I do agree with you, though, that Adam Cole, it was a very big difference when Adam Cole was doing his promo for giving it to the Bucks, and then after the commercial break, when Kenny had it, it's just he's on a different level uh, than all of them. And he kind of just stands out differently. But um, I kind of was like, I wish... Like, Don't get me wrong, I want another Omega uh, Bryan Danielson match, but I'm looking forward to Adam Cole and uh, Brian Danielson. We only had that match once on that random ass fucking either the SmackDown or the Raw right after it, and that was it. But I want to see the two of them in the ring again. But, um, you know, I'm, the only thing is, like, the babyface unit. Apparently it's Jurassic Express and Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian. I don't know. I think we could do a little bit better or change it up a little bit, but that's just me.
0: But at the same point, like, remember Dusty Rhodes going against the Four Horsemen? It was always Dusty with a bunch of geeks versus the Four Horsemen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, those geeks were sometimes the Road Warriors or fucking – or Barry Windham or – what the hell? um, Who's the other person? Uh, Nikita Koloff?
0: Sting? But positioned on the show, it is – those are those guys. Like, specifically (sighs) Jurassic Express. That's how they booked them, at least. Um, Yeah,
1: you're right. Christian and and Frankie are... I'm I'm not saying that they're not up to his level. What I'm saying is I'd like to see a couple other people that also have a problem with the Elite come out so it's not the same fucking dudes every time.
0: Like, you know, Hangman?
1: God, I'd love to see him back. Uh, I don't know when they're going to pull the the trigger on that, but...
0: But, uh... I mean, is this just leading up to Adam Cole turning on Kenny to take over the group? Oh, yeah. I don't even
1: know if it's Adam Cole. I think eventually Adam Cole, I don't know if he's technically going to go babyface or just go off by himself. But I think eventually he's going to bring up and go after them for whatever. Now, maybe whenever they decide to do that, two other people that are in NXT currently and going to be underutilized. I can just tell you that much don't have a said contract with WWE and maybe all of them are together and we have uh, you know, the, uh, undisputed era, I guess the elite, just, just saying, uh, uh, wishful thinking,
0: right? Or Kevin Steen, Sammy Zayn, and Adam Cole.
1: Ooh, there you go. Now you're El more Gen- realistic.
0: El, El Generico. <laughs> He's back from Honduras. His work, the orphanage uh i mean there's so many cool things i just watching this in and seeing the rest of the people on the mic there is something to be said about wwe and i know that like over scripted promos etc but like goddamn, is adam cole really good at doing that promo and coming off as a superstar which is how i felt like everyone else was just kind of there <laughs> After he cut his promo and then, you know, the American dragon, Brian Danielson walks out and it's, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> Kenny, no balls. <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> and and look, like I love Kenny Omega. I think he's a great in-ring wrestler. Uh, there's a reason why they gave him Don Callis. He is not a good promo.
1: Well, at least, you know, what I have to say is at least, you know, I do that joke. Um, But he's not so breathy as he used to be. Kenny Omega used to talk like this, and he would always inflect his voice like this. And, like I I said, he was trying to be like a fucking dubbed anime character or some shit. But um, I feel like he's gotten better, but he's still not 100%. The thing with him and the Bucks, and I don't like the term play wrestler, I, I think that's stupid, but it's they're not believing what they're saying. They know that, that there's some character because I don't think it really mattered beforehand for them. And now you have Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole. They're all there completely in their head that this is who they are. I just feel like it's hard for them to portray. I making it look like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, Making it look realistic, it's its not as easy for them to convey that on a television show. They're, they're used to being able to be themselves, but if they're kind of corny, it doesn't matter. But now it's AEW, it's, it's a big difference.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of that should go to a nod of WWE and the way WWE TV works. And and, and how, not that WWE does great promos or anything, but kind of the way they're presented and getting your point across, especially if you're at the level of like a punk or Brian or even Adam Cole on NXT. There is something to be said about the production aspect of WWE outside of maybe the camera work. Um, and, and I don't, you know, the breathy Kenny Omega thing that goes back to his character in Japan where he, I mean, basically it was. He was a white guy that really, really loved Japanese culture, but was kind of an asshole about it. So he talked like an anime character. So he's like kind of losing that a bit. But like the sounds like thing, Seto
1: Kaiba from fucking Yu-Gi-Oh.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. But I think that's what he was going for, you know, and, and I mean, that's hard at this point. Kenny Omega, does he, does he need to talk again or is he like Chris Benoit level of just like, hey, that's Kenny Omega. It's pretty good.
1: Well, the only difference is, the, the problem is, Chris sucked at fucking promos, but his intensity made it look like it was still realistic. Kenny and the Bucks just have a problem of, of coming off realistic, because to them, pro wrestling's a bit different than I think it is to other wrestlers, who still try to keep that level of credibility to it, because, you know, they went from the indies to... I know the Bucks were in fucking uh, TNA as, I forgot what the hell the Generation Killer, or Generation, A- or whatever the fuck they were called. But, you know, they I, I don't think they taught much there, but when they were in Ring of Honor or New Japan, if they went from, you know, kayfabe to non-kayfabe, it didn't really fucking matter. They could blow those lines. I don't think they ever thought of it as an acting concept. And I think that part really kind of, they don't struggle with, but it's 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 hard for them to, especially as heels, come off like Adam Cole or MJF. They probably don't have that ability either. Those guys are two of the best at the top of their
0: game. Well, I mean, the Bucks and Kenny are probably some of the best in-ring workers today. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know that I would put MJF on that list. He is a great fucking heel, though. Like, overall, a Well, I'm, wrestler. I'm, I'm specifically talking about promo. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Kenny Omega has intensity, though. It's just... I don't know. It's, it's, it's always out of place. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like... Scissor me down. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's a Young Bucks thing or what they're trying to do with the group like he does have intensity like uh kenny omega is such such an interesting wrestler in general because if you just showed someone kenny omega's promo work (laughs) and not any of his wrestling they'd be like this is one of the worst wrestlers of all time (laughs) but then you watch kenny omega's matches and in some of the brilliant storytelling he's able to do and see some of the shit he did in japan like even with the the American Dragon match, he just had like going for the dragon suplex off the top, and the fact that Brian took that and that was way smarter than the way Okada took it, which <laughs> <Ugh>. is <laughs> just land on my fucking head. Like stuff like that. That's what makes Kenny Omega great, and I love the pairing of him and Don Callis. But when you start having dangling earrings and basically making low key Shawn Michael jokes as hard as you can constantly, it. it it takes away from what Kenny Omega could be. You know, it, it's, it's weird. And Adam Cole definitely looks like the biggest superstar in that group at the moment.
1: You know who Kenny reminds me a lot of in a lot of aspects is Seth Rollins. Um, I think they're both incredible inside the ring. I think they can have a match with a fucking rubber hose and I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny actually did have that now that I think about it in DDT or something but no in in all seriousness I think that the thing that they both struggle with is trying to have a character formed around their amazing and ring ability and they're not they don't come off as like as threatening as other wrestlers that can get by with that like a Chris Benoit could
0: I mean, Seth is way better on the mic if not booked into terrible storylines. But Kenny's,
1: I would arguably say, probably better than Seth in the ring all around.
0: That one's so hard for me to debate because the the only comparison you would have is Tyler Black, really. Yeah. Because WWE work style is so different than what Kenny's been doing for the past 10 years.
1: Yeah, that's true. I don't know let's move on to the next match because it involves one of my favorite segments afterwards. (laughs) Holy fuck. Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson with, uh, Anderson in their corner against Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. Um, Dante Martin, uh, I will say like, usually impress the hell out of me. Um, I think the kid's got a shitload of fucking credibility that he's building just solo by himself And him and his brother are going to be a force to reckon with once he's not injured. The only thing that sucks for his brother is that he's got to fucking catch up because his brother has shown us so much. Um, And, I mean, maybe it's not even a bad thing. Maybe that's a Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy type of thing because older, younger brother, one's a little more agile, the other one, uh, you know, they'll they'll figure the shit out. But that has nothing to do with anything because Lee Johnson – and Cody Rhodes were in the match. Cody wanted to start it off very handily. And at one point, Lee Johnson tagged himself in because Cody was just not doing it. And at the end of it, Lee Johnson had to end up getting uh, the win over Martin. And afterwards, Tony Shivani came in. And uh, Rhodes was about to call out uh, Malachi Black. But Andre Anderson told him to shut up. and uh, I mean, he was basically insinuating he was soft, but basically said in his example, Cody, you're the type of guy that if a car hijacker comes to your car, tells you to get out. You just let him have the car and, you know, just don't hurt me and, and back off from it. I'm the type of guy that gets my Glock and shoots that dude twice in the face just to make sure. And basically said, and I quote, I'm Arn Anderson. And all that implies, and and all that it implies, and I'll be damned if I coach a loser and told Johnson to head with him because at least he fucking listens to him. This is the best Arn Anderson I've seen in years. My God, uh, I love this. I don't know where Arn's going. I don't know if he's now going to be the manager for Lee Johnson. I don't care, but this has to be, especially throughout this match. Another sign that Cody's going heel. I mean, where the fuck does he go in this direction? And the audience, I mean, just like beforehand, just hated him. I mean, booed the fuck out of him.
0: Get your Glock, Chris. I got my Glock. That pulled out my nine! Um, Weird-ass promo. <laughs> I mean, good promo because it's Arn, but it is a little weird because... At this point, we're still supposed to love Cody, right? I
1: I, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know at this point. (laughs) Because the audience destroys him. Malachi destroyed him twice. He looked like a little bitch. He comes out as this villain in the fucking, you know, uh, mainstream from the boys. On his pay per view match, or, or not this pay per view, the last match that he had with Malachi. Um, and now he gets his ass kicked and told off by his fucking coach after getting booed out by the building.
0: Yeah. And then they're like, tune in to watch Brandy Rhodes and Cody Rhodes do, you know, some real life Bad timing. TV. <laughs> it didn't really work for them the way they thought it would. Man. I don't know that I can ever think of someone going from such a great baby face to just like X-Pac go away. heat <laughs> as much as Cody has, I think it started with Chris, the
1: neck me and you, me and you <laughs> might've been a little bit like that. Me and you were saying like late eighties, early nineties sting not too long ago when we were referencing fucking Cody. And, and now he, it's
0: like this, But, you know, the only thing that really changed, changed with Cody and his character is he had that weird Revolutionary War promo and the neck tattoo and just losing a lot and doing reality TV. Like, he's basically AEW's Miz. (laughs) I, I don't know how else to
1: put it. Well, the only difference is Miss is actually trying to be a heel <laughs> <laughs> Cody's uh, I think was uh, trying to like get everyone together for the America rah-rah speech What a difference between him and his dad His dad was a huge booker and booked himself in situations to look like the American hero, the great you know, person to beat everyone and he was beloved for it, and Cody does the same thing and it's like, get the fuck out of here
0: but then you go back and you watch, like, the match he had with Brodie Lee or the match he had with Wardlow, where he cut that great promo, even though it was off the air. And you're like, man, this guy is such a great baby face. There's no way they can fuck this up. <laughs> hey, Tane, turns out AEW can also fuck things up. uh it's 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 a bit ridiculous man like uh i will say this about the match itself dante is amazing and i think i sent you that in chat i was like this guy is carrying this entire fucking match you know i know that the
1: seidel brothers are are a cool concept but if you have dante until his brother comes back stay with matt seidel and let him keep on doing like youtube you know tattoo matches I think Matt Seidel can help him out a lot, uh, and he's already fucking amazing.
0: He's tw- 19! It's it's insane, dude. I think he's better than me.
1: Hey, Chris, you're on mute.
0: Oh, I, I was saying I think he's better than Seidel.
1: Well, I mean, Seidel's already. a veteran. That's, that, uh, Seidel's a veteran. He understands... Psychology, better and like little things. He can be like, if you want to do that, do it like this,
0: and this. By by psychology, you mean making take Dante take all the bumps. (laughs) Hey, dude!
1: If I'm a veteran, I'm gonna fucking do that shit. Fuck that, man! I'm not. I'm not doing. You go out there, kid. Have fun. (laughs) Because
0: Dante sold his ass off in this match. He he looked like a million bucks to me. That's a guy they need to tag and be a superstar. It totally gives me a
1: young Jeff Hardy. Young Rookie Morton
0: vibe to him. I could see that. Yeah, I could easily see that. But uh, this was a good match. <laughs> the Arn promo afterwards was weird. He's gonna get his <laughs> Glock, dude. Are they gonna put in with MJF?
1: Are are, are uh, is AW trying to like mess with their uh their uh their fan base because? I don't know, man, you know, aren't talking about the Glock and later on you have CM Punk talking about how negative one's a smart kid for, you know, buddying up with uh, Ty Conti and fucking uh, Anna J. Like do they realize there's some members of their audience that might not
0: like that type of shit. I guess I guess we will see in the very near future. I had like. I in my notes with the Ty Conti, and Anna Jay, I'm like, so they're the Bellas, but not twins. <laughs> All right, let's continue. <laughs> Am I wrong? Why they dress them the same?
1: Because they're friends. Okay. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um. <laughs> John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Darby Allen went against Bear Country and Anthony Green, and I swear to God, I was like. I don't know if I went to the bathroom and came back. I was like, Trent, Trent's back? Oh, wait, that's not Trent. Who the fuck is that guy? Never mind. I didn't really know who Anthony Green was. And I realized, oh, this guy was fucking in NXT. And I forgot what the hell his name was in NXT because he was <laughs> there for a cup of coffee. But, uh, I mean, it was it was all for Kingston, Moxley, and Allen to get a win. So, you know, they um, at the end of it... Uh, Sting dropped green with the Scorpion Death drop, and Kingston grabbed a Brody Lee sign and held it in the air. It was just the three of them to be able to get some spots over some new guys. It was whatever. It was fine.
0: I thought it was a cool spot when Eddie went out into the crowd and grabbed the sign and brought it into the ring. Eddie's really good, man. Dude, he's great. Um... Yeah, this match was just kind of a fan-happy match. There's not much to really talk about here. Except for the Andy Green. Andy Green is a was the captain of the Devils as a hockey player. <laughs> when you're like, Anthony, Andy, Green. <laughs> that's the first thing Mayo that came tomorrow. to mind. Yeah, the first thing that came to mind is like, <laughs> the defenseman <laughs> for the Devils for me. And I I couldn't unsee was- it. <laughs> I think his name
1: was Colt something in NXT. I don't remember. He was one of the guys that got let go.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I didn't even, I mean he was fine in this match. There's no, like, actual insult. It was more just, like, me and you were uh, talking to each other on Facebook, and all I could think about was Andy Green's 175-year-old ass playing for the New York Islanders right now. <laughs> Jesus.
1: I'm, I'm looking at this next match. I can't... I mean, I understand this was a tribute to Brody. They were in his hometown. Um, and I like that. But they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So eight on eight, sixteen man tag team champ or tag team match, not tag team champion. God, if there's an eight tag man champion, just fucking kill me at that point. But uh Dark Order and Orange Cassidy went against the House of Hardy. And uh I mean, at the beginning, so the same thing happened where Evil is having problems. He leaves uh, and is stopped on the ramp by negative one, Anna Jay, Ty Conti, and Amanda Huber who basically tell him to get over his bullshit and get back in the ring and fight for, for the sake of Brody. He comes in, and it's... I mean, it was... Everyone got a chance to do something, and it was definitely meant for the baby faces to go over... I don't remember anything specifically. All I do is remember in my head saying, this is a nice tribute. I like it. Wow, this is really weird that CM Punk is being quiet during this match. Oh, yeah, Colt is in the ring. That might be why. So uh, definitely thought of that. But uh, they got the (laughs) win.
0: This was a good um, tribute match to Brady Lee. I think that's all they were going for with this. But in my notes, I wrote this some old G1 pre-match bullshit.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. It's <laughs> like, just don't even watch the first, like, hour and a half of the fucking G1 tournament.
0: <laughs> it's, I mean, it kind of was because I was already watching a lot of G1. But it's like, here's an eight, eight versus eight tag match. Jesus, I mean there's nothing you can do That's going to make you st- You you would have to like kill someone in the middle of the ring To make you stand out <laughs> In that match uh, But it was fine I mean it was, it was a fan happy We got the Brody Lee's kid At the end of it They all did the, the Brody Bear paw as I like to call it, it was, I mean it was kind of cool And touching And I, I love that they started the show uh, With the tribute to him
1: yeah, it was a beautiful tribute
0: because they For basically sure. and you get the photo of John Hu- Hubert, um, Brody Lee doing that, you know, his his gimmick, and then right after you get this great JR, like he had sent all of his everything that he could give Wednesday. You know what that means.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I forgot about that part, but that was a beautiful, uh, very touching video, man. Yeah, it was great,
0: and and the match was fine. I mean, there's nothing. There's just no real takeaway from this match. It's just kind of a throwaway. Other than I guess, like they're still trying to cut each other's hair.
1: <laughs> so so while while during the match or in general or or especially while Colt Cabana was in, did CM Punk say anything?
0: Am I being crazy? He commentated on the match, but Cole Cabana was only in there for like 30 seconds.
1: So maybe he just had to drink some water during that.
0: I don't know. That's got to be fucking awkward. Have they worked their shit out? I would have to assume so at this point. Cole Cabana doesn't seem like a guy that's going to hold a grudge for that. Like CM Punk might, but keep in mind. That that would be the one I would worry about. (laughs) Punk is the guy <laughs> that sued Colt Cabana, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I mean, uh, I'm a- assuming they're eventually going to do something with those two.
1: That'd be interesting. That's for damn sure. All right, so uh, Penelope Ford and the Bunny went against Ty Conti and Anna Jay, and uh, like I said, negative one came out and gave him the big old hug. And uh, CM Punk, like I said, he made those comments where he was like, he said a couple times, he's like, that's a smart kid right there. You know, just giggle, giggle. But Punk, I'm going to be honest with you, man. You don't understand this audience. Some of them, it doesn't matter if if you've been super liberal in the past, still are, whatever. You got to watch what you say, man. JR didn't say a goddamn thing when he mentioned that, by the way. If CM Punk said right, JR, JR would have said, Shash or frash.
0: didn't say a goddamn thing. You're 100% right on that. Also, I had to send you this clip from from the NFL because there was a, there was, a, no, it was, a, no, no, sorry. Major League Baseball, the Braves, Ozzy Albies had this, hey, can we do this again? <laughs> Sid moment. <laughs> what, was he at it like a baseball game or when
1: he broke his fucking ankle?
0: No, Ozzy Albie's. He like he had a big play, and, and you know how they get everyone like ramped up at the end of the game to talk to him. Uh, yeah, he like gave this speech and kind of fucked up, and he was like, "Can we do this again?" <laughs> but it was a <laughs> oh, lie.
1: That's what you're
0: talking <laughs> about. Uh, no, we can't. Oh, and I God. was I was so mad at the commentator for not being like, "We're live, pal." That's immediately what I would. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ.
0: It's funny. That's also, hilarious. <laughs> he like pauses. He's like, Can we like can we do it again? They're like, We're live, pal. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, that's hilarious. Let's go, bravos. Alright, but in actuality, my biggest problem, I knew Ty Conti and and AJ were gonna win because of the stupid shit that happened the week previous with uh, Penelope Ford getting the win over Anna J. And for some reason, Ty Conti wasn't there to help her while she was getting her ass kicked until after the fucking match. Um, but with this one, you know, they are in Bertie Lee's hometown. I think that the Dark Order females are going to win. But why the fuck does Penelope Ford always got to take the goddamn L and the damn pin over the bunny? That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say, I've, but,
0: uh... I have absolutely no idea because she was the best wrestler in this match, which I sent to you in chat. <laughs> like, she the Dolph Ziggler of the women's division over there in AEW. <sighs> <sighs> so and we, and we didn't even get to hear her song. That sucks even more. <laughs> she also has one of the best theme songs in AEW. She's a Bullshit. bad, bad girl. All right, so we had
1: uh, MJF come out, and he's talking a bunch of shit like normal. He's talking about the four pillars of AW, the young talent that builds this brand on their backbone, or whatever he said. And it was him. We've talked about this, these four people in general, but him, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, and Darby Allen. And he went over the list. He's like, I've beaten Sammy. I've beaten uh, Jungle Boy, kind of like breezes over Darby Allen and." You know, starts talking shit about how he's the best still. Here comes Darby Allen. Darby Allen comes out and MJF starts talking about his uncle and you know the reason why he is the straight edge face painted anti hero is his uncle. The story that Darby has told many times during interviews. Him and his uncle were in a car, his uncle was drunk, uh, got in a bad car accident, died in the car accident, and uh, Darby lived, obviously, and that's the reason why he's straight edge. And, you know, even though Allen was doing a good job of, like, looking pissed off throughout this at the end of it, he's like, you're not going to get to me, man. I'm not going to play your mind games. And because of that, all he had to do was, I don't know, the ending was was weird to me. Because all Darby has to do is, tell, like, tell him that type of shit. Like, maybe get in his face, nose to nose. You have Wardlow kind of come out in the background like you know buck up a little bit darby allen backs off and just leaves and have mjf like you know just like screw you or say something else but instead mjf just left so i was like he didn't even say anything he just like got the hell out of there so i guess i guess it bothered mjf that uh that darby allen was not pissed off by his comments about his uncle and his drunk driving but uh You know, more stuff. It's so amazing, especially now I saw that video of MJF in real life, how MJF, I guess, can say, hey, why don't we do this? I'm going to talk about your dad, Brian, and tell him that he's in hell. Or I'm going to talk about your Uncle Darby, because he's got to fucking get that heat level. Uh, But, um, hey, if we're getting Darby L and MJF, man, I don't know who the hell wins in this. That's the only problem, but give it to me now.
0: It was so great. And Wardlow just standing there as the backbone of MJF was also great. Just kind of chilling. Uh, My wife from the bathroom said, that was very mean. Why would he say that? (laughs) (laughs) Because he's an asshole. (laughs) He is an asshole. And that was very, like, because Jericho did this with Punk. I mean, this is Jericho Punk. Yep. So I mean this is not a, a new storyline or anything um, but it's the way that MJF approached it. My wife was like, isn't it, why like is it obvious you got to be so mean about
1: it? <laughs> Isn't this very punk versus Jeff Hardy too just in a
0: different way? Yeah, yeah, no also, yeah. So it's it's kind of I don't know, you know seeing punks there, maybe he's telling <laughs> telling them like that would be a good storyline. Uh But MJF was great here, and he definitely made me hate him, (laughs) so... He did his goal, man. I mean, I love MJF, but also... Fuck MJF. Yeah, why does he gotta be so mean? I'm on his parents' side. Fuck MJF. (laughs) We hate him, too. (laughs) He's our son, and we also hate him. (laughs) He best kill in the game it's not even close yeah like maybe roman as a very very distant second
1: (laughs) i mean the only other person here's the thing i mean all the other ones became cool jay white was a great heel but now people like him because he's cool adam cole is a great heel but people like him because he's cool Sammy Callahan was a great heel. And then they became babyface because people thought he was cool. So it's like, yeah, MJF is like, him and Roman are the only two big mainstream heels now.
0: What was the fucking thing that MJF said about, like, being a mime skateboarder?
1: Oh, my God. He said a Columbine kid mime skateboarder. (laughs) Or something like that, like, school shooter mime skateboarder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and oh. it was like, co- no, cosplaying as a mime school shooter skateboarder or something to that effect. And I was like, God damn, dude. MJF, he is a heat-seeking missile.
1: Goes <laughs> for the jugular, dude. Holy hell. Can we get him And I just want to promo off. And don't tell Connor that he's not like this in real life. Connor McGregor and him just going back and forth, just talking shit to each other. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> fuck! Just fuck you, fucking asshole. What fuck your mom. <laughs> fuck right in the ass. Huh.
0: Uh, I would love that, but, like, you know, Eddie Kingston's still a thing. Can we get Kingston versus uh, MJF? It's what the world yeah. wants.
1: When they pull that Band-Aid off, man, those promos are going to be vicious.
0: It's so good, dude. M- MJF out here living his best life. <laughs>
1: All right, so the, the main event for the TNT Championship match, Sammy Guevara versus Miro. I, I got a little write-up, so I'll just go over it. Uh, it's only you know, a couple sentences, but Miro defended the TNT Championship against Sammy Guevara in the main event. The Redeemer dominated the action early and throughout the commercial overwhelmed the Spanish God with ferocity and strength advantage that threatened Guevara's championship aspirations. Guevara fought back, threw himself over the ring post, and wiped Miro out on the floor. Back inside, he decided to deliver a cutter and tried the go to hell, or is GTH, yeah, it's go to hell. But Miro fought out and delivered a big kick for two. The champion removed the turnbuckle pads from multiple corners. Uh, Fuego de Sol attempted to intervene, but Miro knocked him down. Guevara sent Miro into the turnbuckle, stunning him before the GTH, and then he did the 630 cent on. Oh God, you're talking about a Jeff Hardy moment. So we've joked around about how Jeff you know before he would be able to cruise and do a swantine, no problem, over the person barely touching them. And lately, you know, his uh, he, he can't he can't like grasp it sometimes as well. So he'll just land right on the motherfucker. Dude Guevara, I know that he's smaller than Miro, but when he did the six thirty he fucking just fell right the fucking just, like, cut into him. It looked painful as shit, but uh, won by pinfall. Guevara is the new TNT champion. Uh, I thought it was a fun fucking match. I don't know what they do at Miro next because I don't feel like it's for the main championship. Maybe uh, this is where, if they're going to have Lana come in, they can do not put him on fucking Kipsabian again. I would rather Lana come in and fucking rebuild his ass than fucking that shit. But uh, it will be interesting to see what what happens with Miro. I kind of thought that he should keep it, but I'm not mad that Sammy Guevara is now the champion. I think that's actually pretty good for his career overall. What do you think, Chris, about this main event?
0: I fucking love this match, and I think I sent you Miro looks like a fucking wrestler, like 80s old-school-ass wrestler with his entrance and everything that he's doing currently. Uh, It was really great to see Sammy get a win here, and I think that kind of builds into an interesting feud. I guess I could get away from the the Fuego Fuego stuff, but goddamn, they did some crazy shit in this match, and uh, it was mostly Sammy getting his ass beat, (laughs) but the spots Sammy hit were really great. I love Sammy Guevara. And uh, also, as I told, as I was talking about in our our Facebook chat, bring back the panda helmet, bud.
1: You don't have to do that. Don't listen to him. Just don't bring back the panda helmet. You look bring like it, uh,
0: bring it back, bud.
1: Don't don't do it. Don't. Do it. <laughs> oh, uh, a news update. Oh, uh, apparently uh, Miro is headed back to WWE. Uh, he's going to be called uh, Miro. No, no, Rusev Breaker. Uh, apparently his family lineage is the breakers and he's going to start the breaker brothers with uh with braun breaker and uh they're going to be maybe similar influence i would say by the steiner brothers maybe
0: <laughs> nxt is full sell on braun breaker being the next thing and they're not wrong he's looked amazing <laughs> in a couple of matches he's,
1: he's given he's given me a John Cena smacking fucking Kurt Angle in the face style energy. He's giving me a Goldberg energy in a good way. Uh, he in-ring is like his uncle and his dad. He looks like his dad and he fucking talks like his uncle. I think he is headed in a very good direction, man.
0: Man, I am very hyped on the Braun Breaker. It's great. It's way you better than You watch
1: NXT the- 2.0! Uh, anything else happened on that fucking show that we should talk about?
0: I mean, there was a Champa match. So that was pretty good. Okay. Who did he go against? Did he win? I have to look it up. It's like a three way. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: God. There's just so much greenness on that goddamn show. That should be God. their main new color any-
0: right now. But also, like, G1. So I've watched a lot of fucking wrestling <laughs> this week. But yeah, there was a Champa match in Braun Break. They're building the show around Bron Breaker. That's gonna be their guy, hundred percent. And uh, kind of, I mean, so far, <laughs> I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. The guy is out here deadlift, suplexing motherfuckers left and right. Looks great. There we'll the you go.
1: That is that is our uh, that is our review on NXT Two Point
0: Bron Breaker. Braun Breaker. <laughs> Braun
1: there you go. All right, guys. Well, that is our show. I hope you guys enjoyed it out there in a wonderful land of listening, wherever you guys are listening to that. Whether you're, you know, veterans of this, if you will, are are, are uh, reoccurring listeners. Thank you guys so much. We love you over here at Wrestling Geeks Alliance. If you're a new listener. Just let you know, you can find us on any downloadable platform. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Maybe Google it, and you can find whichever one works for you. But we're on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, pretty much all of them. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You'll find us. Um, I want to thank my co-hosts, as always. Chris, say goodbye to the lovely people, and give any plugs you got.
0: Goodbye, lovely people. Uh, if you want to talk to me about wrestling or music or whatever at chris r Patton on twitter if you like sylvester salone i just recently as the ramboologist did a show called sly and the guys same platforms etc and uh skates throats we're about to start back up we're in the preseason of hockey right now but we'll have some stuff coming for you hockey fans out there but that's basically it for me dan
1: well, thank you, Chris. It's Patrick Stewart again. Uh, just Dane asked me to end the show. And I just wanted to say to everyone that you guys are great out there. Remember, listen to Wrestling Geeks Alliance every week, or I'll shoot you with my Glock. <laughs> uh, let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you, and peace out.